1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only two-time PWG Battle of Los Angeles Champion, King Ricochet, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. two, three. You're listening to the
0: Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 122. I'm Nick
1: Howell. And thinking up awkward, heat-killing phrases to use on Nick in order to Michael Cole, his main roster debut... Oh. I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to the show. <laughs> we have a lot of things to discuss this week, Nick, and I don't want to waste a whole lot of time in getting to them because I don't know about you, but I'm mm, I'm pretty I fired know up if right now.
0: Discuss is the right word.
1: I, it might be a rant, might be ranting, might be uh, some. Some bitching and complaining today on the show. Usually we're fairly positive, but uh, I think you and I, are, are, we're pretty grumpy. Folks, today. grab a beverage,
0: because this is going to be a good one.
1: <laughs> we're a little, we're a little, we're a little uh, beside ourselves, and I, I can't wait to get into this and really get into the meat of this show discussing WWE and uh, what they did this week on Raw and SmackDown. We have some other stuff to talk about later in the show, as, along with some listener questions, which we can't wait to get to. Uh, but speaking of listener questions, Nick, why don't we do a little housekeeping yes. before we get into the show itself?
0: As always guys come over to Facebook and join us in the busted wide open discussion group. It is the hub of our operation. Everything we do uh, happens in that group. You don't want to miss out. So come hang out with us and the rest of the BWO fans. Every pay-per-view we do a live chat. Uh, We definitely love to have you guys in there with us. Uh, we're also on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Give us a follow, uh, send us a tweet, let, you, let us know what you think of the show, or ask us any questions. We'll be sure to answer those for you. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. I'll be sure to hit that little notification bell so you get alerted anytime we put up some new content. And last but certainly not least, as Ian was mentioning, thank you to all of our wonderful patrons that contribute to the show and our success. And if you would like to get in on some fantastic perks... Throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar, whatever. Check it out over at Patreon.com slash BWO. That's Patreon.com slash BWO. But Ian, yeah, let's not waste a lot of time because we're wound up and, man, we got to get going. But, But before we really tear the house down, let's
1: go over some big news. Well, the big news this week has to do with the WWE Hall of Fame, and let's get this out of the way right now, so we can just have this on the shelf on the sidelines while we discuss what happened on Raw and SmackDown. And the big news this week with the Hall of Fame is that the first inductee or inductees, in this case, uh, for this year's Hall of Fame, are Degeneration X, and it sounds like they're doing like the the, the full roster of DX. Uh, 99-2000 Triple H.
0: H, the New Age Outlaws, DX.
1: Yeah, like 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 prime era DX. Not not Rick Rude, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H. Uh, but this is this is Triple H, China, Shawn Michaels, Road Dog, Jesse James, Badass Billy Gunn, and X Pac. Uh, that that six person Degeneration X will be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. The not the biggest news in the world. It was just kind of a matter of time, especially with most of these guys, either big figures in the WWE like Triple H and Road Dogg, or uh, just being you know famous wrestlers on their in their own right like X Pac or, or, or Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn's a little surprising to me, and there's already been a little bit of uh, a talk about wh- uh, whose shirt is he going to wear when he shows up to accept the award because he's currently working for AEW. But uh, the big news here, the biggest news about this, and the reason it's at the top of the show, is that this means that finally, China, probably one of the most meaningful women when it comes to women's wrestling, uh, at least in the mainstream, is finally getting into the WWE Hall of Fame, something that five years ago was pretty much speculated could or would never happen because of some of the stuff that... Uh, she got into towards the end of her life her tragically short life, uh such as you know getting into adult films and being just kind of somewhat off the rails in general It was a very sad end for china but um they I remember you know the last time it was really seriously brought up uh the year of her death, triple h said something to the effect of you know I could see it happening someday but not right now and I think one I think that history will have will prove him. Right in the sense that uh, there's, it's been a bit of a lessening. People are looking more at her entirety of her work as opposed to just her last few days. I don't know. What do you think about uh, China going into the Hall of Fame, Nick?
0: I'm all for it. Ninth wonder of the world, you know, it, just fantastic personality and very polarizing figure, especially during that era. And you have to think of things when I, when I when I think of Hall of Fame inductees, it's real simple for me. I focus on. Why they're getting into the Hall of Fame and what def- what era they were in and did they define that era? And you can say what you want about DX, but they were a very very large part of the Attitude Era, it, wholesale. Like they were from beginning to end, they were involved somehow. Triple H and his feuds with Angle and Stone Cold and Vince McMahon and The Rock, you absolutely have to consider Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Um, I think you like you said, Road Dog is getting in there because Road Dog. Billy Gunn because Road
1: Dog. X Pac because Outlaws Road Dog. Are, New Age Outlaws are one of the greatest tag teams in in WWE history. Sure.
0: And I could still recite Straight word on. for word their entire entrance because I used to stand Same. up and mark out at a, every time they came out. Same. Full disclosure. Yep. Um, as far as China goes, though, she, she set a bar that we have yet to see again and frankly probably never will uh, with someone who is that prolific of a bodybuilder. Uh, had intergender matches,
1: just everything. Beat Jeff Jarrett. Beat Jeff Jarrett for the for the Intercontinental Title. There you go. Was one of the one of the first women in the Royal Rumble. Uh, it's a uh, lot of benchmarks that she set. Yep. Um. And from you know what everyone has said, whether it's X Pac or Mick Foley, or full disclosure, myself, uh, in real life, China was actually a very sweet and wonderful person. Uh, she did actually come into my bar in Highland Park uh in 2005 and uh ended up you know hanging out with her all night I was bartending and I ended up doing a uh, body shot so I off of ah. off of China's stomach so yeah and and frankly I was left with the impression that she was uh, you know out there and definitely a party girl like she was in her middle of her party phase then but also a really nice sweet human being she was very grateful for everything and seemed uh, Like she, she was being very nice to everyone there. So I have nothing for my brief personal encounter with her. Uh, I have nothing but nice things to say uh, other than, you know, my concern at her partying and the level of parting she was doing. But, you know, she has a reputation for being a genuinely sweet person. And it's hard not to look at how she exited the WWE and everything that happened afterwards as her getting done a little dirty by the whole thing, and I don't really want to go down that path too far. The, the no. fact of the matter is, ultimately, she's now being inducted. The question really remains, will she be inducted eventually as an individual? Because right now, she's going in as a group, uh, and I think that this might be a way of testing the waters for her ultimately getting a posthumous singles entrance into the Hall of Fame. If they do this and they have a whole bunch of you know minivan moms calling up and being like my child searched china online and you wouldn't believe the things they found then they might not do the singles uh, entrance at some point but if they can if they pull this off and they don't get any any backlash i think it could really i think it absolutely could and will happen
0: with the rise of the the women's evolution revolution over the last year or two I can't see any reason why this would be anything but welcomed, to be, to be honest. And and frankly, I'm a little bit upset that they're doing it as a faction and not as... In, if you want to put the New Age Outlaws in the Hall of Fame, that's fine. If you want to put Triple H in the Hall of Fame, that's fine. If you want to put China in the Hall of Fame, that's fine. I don't agree that doing the entire faction uh, was the right thing to do. But well, I I'm not mad at any of them... I, I don't think X-Pac belongs in the Hall of Fame.
1: No way. Oh, I th- oh absolutely he does. Absolutely he does. What? No, we get, Yes, absolutely. Between X-Pac, 6 Pack, the one, two, three kid, if the Godfather's in the Hall of Fame, X-Pac absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Fair
0: statement. Fair statement.
1: Good, fair return. Come um, on.
0: So yes. I, uh, uh, did he have as much of a part to play as as Triple H Shawn Michaels, the Outlaws and, and China, th- that's where I come down on a little bit. So I would have much rather seen this broken up over the course of like five years of Hall of Fame inductees rather than one giant faction. And I think that's how we could have more gracefully gotten to China as a singles. Them doing it this way, I don't see I don't see a future where they re-induct China as a singles
1: superstar. I do. I think this is testing the waters for it. My only question is why isn't rick rude mentioned in this he was an original member of dx weird anyway that's neither here nor there it's happening it'll be curious to see if china eventually gets her singles entrance but the bottom line is she will be inducted into the hall of fame this year along with their other members of dx and that's some big news however we have even more to discuss nick brace yourself buckle up because we are go uh, we're about to go talk about monday night raw
0: I, I I honestly just I don't know where to begin. Folks, I'm want gonna to- I'm, I'm gonna warn you in advance this is gonna be a little erratic because I'm I'm very <laughs> perturbed about what happened this week in the course of about forty eight hours, specifically the first twenty four post elimination chamber. Thank you all again for for joining us in the live chat um during Elimination me- Chamber. That was fantastic.
1: You know. want me to set you up here Nick. I'll I'll set you up on this and then yeah, you can go. Yeah, I just
0: I need to be color reactionary today cuz I am not going to oh, yeah. be any good at any kind of play-by-play. All right. Breakdown so if of missed, what happened. If you
1: missed if you missed Raw this week, here's how this went down. It opens up with Triple H coming out to I'm just going to say this right now, to a awful, awful Lafayette, Louisiana crowd. Uh they were Pretty dead all night long. A couple of pops at certain points, but really weird. Very, very uh, off crowd. And Triple H made an announcement that he not only was DX going to uh, the Hall of Fame, that was the first thing he said, but the second thing he said was that they were calling up four talents from NXT. Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, two of the champs, by the way, uh, the, the NXT champ and the North American champ, and they were also calling up Alistair Black and Ricochet, literally the four biggest singles guys in NXT. The heart, they were the core
0: up. of NXT
1: currently, the core of NXT, and the audience pretty much no sold it. They just kind of went, eh, because okay. Triple H. Triple H basically said, "We're bringing these guys up," and pointed to a placard of them up on the Titantron. It was about as underwhelming. A way to call people up as you could imagine, essentially just announcing them and then having the uh, the the announcers, Michael Cole and Graves and Renee all react and talk about them very briefly, which, of course, is was awkward and stilted. Uh, And then throughout the rest of the show, we had these superstars show up. Uh, I will just quickly touch on how this played out, where Triple H ended his announcement, and then we immediately had a match with Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman, which was a rematch from the previous night, and it was a tables match because I guess Braun Strowman got put through the, put through the tables. But the fact that they announced, hey, so we've got these four NXT guys coming out, but here's Baron Corbin. And that was how, that was basically a, a <laughs> that's kind of how the rest of the show went was. Here's some really exciting stuff, and here is us bungling the excitement for it.
0: We spent six weeks at least watching promo packages for Lars Sullivan. We watched at least four if not six weeks of promo packages for Heavy Machinery, Nikki Cross, Lacey Evans, the other ones, EC3. Who? Where, where'd they go? We've, we've seen Lacey Evans and Heavy Machinery in various weird spots over the last few weeks, but we we were so invested in Lars Sullivan. We know that he's disappeared. W- where is he? Is Please, is, is he up I, killing know. sheep in the on top of a mountain somewhere? Jesus, Jesus. I, I just I don't understand. Like, how can you? Let's just to juxtapose what you just <laughs> laid out. We spent is killing
1: sheep. Wait, hold on, hold on. We stop. Let's talk about something you said. Is killing sheep. A euphemism for battling anxiety and depression? No. Because okay. that's, apparent, that's apparently what he's suffering from, just to, to, to clarify. Okay. But, but you're, no, I see the point you're making here is that we just called up a whole group of NXT people, and we've already kind of forgotten them. Not to mention forgetting half the ones we called up in the time before that. Sanity who? Oh, they showed up kind of this week. But it's yeah, like we just did this. My point was
0: my point was that we spent months hyping them, yes, preparing the ca- filthy casual main main show audience <laughs> for what they were about to be treated to, and for people that we have frankly haven't seen anything of yet. Yet on a whim, we'll bring up the entire core of the NXT roster, uh, and and just. Here you go. In a dead ass place. Arguably worse than Corpus Christi at this point.
1: No they, at this least week. Cheered. they they cheered for a couple of things this week. Corpus Corpus Christi never asked. I'll do air cheers. quotes
0: and say cheered. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um but the These are the people that you need to build. You have to get people excited. The people that are going to these shows, a lot of times, a majority of them aren't watching NXT. They're just bringing their kids out to see some big hosses beat the hell out of each other. If if they even watch WWE on the regular at all. So how the hell are they going to be excited about the fact that Ricochet is going to be doing flippy shit all over the place? Until they see it.
1: Here's the thing. So the logic that, that it was used here... Was that you? Know, even if they don't know who these people are, when we bring them out, we're going to make them look like superstars. And I can see how, in some ways, that was the intention. Let's let's. We're going to discuss this as we get through the show. But all four of these guys won their respective matches. Um, the the problem was how they won, how the commentary dealt with them, and just how they were handled in general within those matches. That we really that I really have to discuss because they could absolutely have saved this after the Triple H opening, which I didn't feel was you know terribly exciting, but also was not the end of the world. You know they can't, they can't predict a crowd, and some crowds would have freaked out when he did this. This crowd was not that crowd. Very lackluster NXT chance at one point, but yeah, that it could have been saved. Um, so after the Corbin and Strowman match, which. Strowman won with a power slam through the table in the corner. whoop de doo uh, I don't know why he had to get his win back from the night before. I'm not sure what the idea was here. Um, Paul Heyman came out, gave, a lev- gave another spiel about how great Lesnar is. They did this a couple times during the show where they showed off Lesnar's history. and We'll get into that when we talk about Seth later. But then Finn Balor came out. And he got beat up for a second by Lashley and Leo Rush, who are apparently a thing again. But then got saved by Ricochet, the first of these debuting guys. So it took us that long to get to the first debut. And Ricochet ran out, made the save. And I'm sure most of the audience was like, who's this guy? Is this the Ricochet guy we were, we were thinking about? Um, it wasn't done in a way that made it exciting the first time one of these NXT guys came out. A lot of them were wondering who he was. And, the you know, it, how do you how do you have that be the first one? At least Alistair Black had his entrance. At least DIY had their individual entrances. Um, and it's, it's like you said, it's going to be a little scattershot here because there's a lot of aspects I want to touch on and I want to talk about the individual matches as well. Um, but the first thing I want to talk about is how they introduced these, I- these guys individually. So Ricochet, as we said, ran out and saved Finn Balor and then they were put into a tag match. Ultimately, no, no, that- wait, no,
0: he runs out and we cut the freaking commercial.
1: Right, which is, by the way, from a, from a show, from a fundamentals of building a show, someone runs out and you have them you know, standing off against the two guys on the outside, and then you cut to commercial, without us knowing there's going to be a match afterwards, that doesn't encourage people to come back. That makes people go, okay, cool, that happened, and they can flip away. You have to tell us you're having a tag match afterwards, and then we will be excited to come. Oh, there's a tag match coming? Cool, I'll come back. But whatever, that's, that's nitpicking. And there's going to be a lot of nitpicking on the show because there's a lot of fundamentals of TV shows and storytelling that they bungled on this show. Uh, and we'll get into why that was later, too, because there has been a report that came out as to why this show seems so slapped together. The answer being that it was slapped together. We'll talk about that later, too. So let's, I want to compare how they presented the entrances of each guy's. Uh, you had Ricochet teaming up with Finn Balor against Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush. We discussed that. We had Aleister Black who interrupted Elias who was about to sing a song. Elias in the middle of uh, prepping and then Alister's music kicks in right as Elias is about to strum his guitar. They, frankly, this is the most egregious one to me because not only did they bungle the camera work, they didn't have enough mist for him when he was rising up from the side of the stage. Uh, they also, the, the most egregious thing, was Michael Goddamn Cole, and the stuff that he said, that the the, the way that they were selling Alistair Black continuously in NXT. If you watch NXT, Alistair Black, they almost never talk through his entire entrance. They let it him get halfway down the ramp before they start talking. But here, the second his music kicked. Blah, 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 blah. It's Alistair Black. He's a, he's a loner. He's a weirdo. He's, he's, he represents the blue-collar people who have issues, and they don't know if they fit in with society. Every one of his tattoos tells a story, and they go off. And the worst one was he's a moody individual from Michael Cole. Michael Cole called him moody. Moody. On his debut, you took away all his mystique by having Michael Cole come up with the worst lines for this guy, imaginable, it made him seem so uncool, and the whole thing was forced and corny. It, I was, I that's the angriest I was. This raw was how they debuted Alistair Black at least, and then of course in the match with Elias, it was a competitive match. He didn't even kick his ass that hard, so that made no sense to me either. I, okay, Nick, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of ranting here. I know you're going to. Have I'm your just rants. letting you go. You'll have your rants today too. I have no doubt. Oh yeah, uh, this week, this same week on nxt go watch alistair black's entrance and compare it to his entrance on monday night raw and a a certain extent smackdown too because they were all there as well they let him completely get halfway down the ramp like all the they they get all the, the the images of the smoke and the candles and him rising from the mist and he walks down the ramp in this darkness and like the the red poking through all the blue and gloom and as he gets halfway down the ramp Nigel McGinnis says, the devil's envoy, wings unfold. This week is a harbinger of fury. Like that kind of poetic imagery for this guy, it creates a mystique. It creates this feeling of mystery that was completely and utterly blown on Monday Night Raw. And I know I shouldn't be surprised. It's not like it's the first time, nor I'm sure the last time that this will happen. But it's extremely disappointing as, you know, what the end of last year, one of our listeners, I might, might have been Will James. I forget who asked us, who do we see getting called up before WrestleMania? And one of the people we said was Alistair Black. And you and I both, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, were dreaming of how they would call up Alistair Black in the middle of, you know, some angle in the ring. And all of a sudden the lights go down and his cord hits and everyone in the arena goes, oh, my God, it's actually him. He's here. Yep, and then he just silently rises and stalks down the ramp. And as he gets there, the uh, announcers freak out. Oh my God, it's Alistair. The opposite of what this was.
0: His entrance to me is very akin to the Undertaker's. You yes. have to take your time with it. You got to nail it. But if you pull it off, it's it it's it can be as powerful. Like I, the first time I saw Aleister Black's entrance two years ago, almost yeah. on on NXT, I got
1: goosebumps. Yeah. Legit, no no and bullshit. Then- Oh, I forgot, Nick. The first thing that they made him do in the ring was give a promo. They had him cut a promo on, on Elias. And as one thing that we've always criticized about Alistair. One of the things that you shouldn't have him do is freaking talk. He's not a bad talker. It just doesn't go with the rest of his image. Nope. But yet EC3 can't cut a promo in three weeks. Okay. It's this yeah, it's this kind of exposing of weaknesses that makes me insane. Sorry. Uh, what was your take on on these two entrances? Just we'll start with Ricochet and Alistair. Oh,
0: well, the the whole idea of debuting somebody to a, a baseball card on on the Tron essentially mm-hmm. is what that was a headshot. And here's Ricochet. and they're going to be doing tonight by the way, here's Braun and Corbin again. Uh and then Finn comes out it was as you described, and out of nowhere, with no introduction, no real entrance, Ricochet just comes running down the ramp. Who the hell is this guy? Well, and we'll be right cut to cut to commercial. Back from the break, five to almost ten minutes later. Back from the break, uh, authorized by Triple H, we now have a six man tag <laughs> match. That bullshit that they do, and it's Ricochet and Finn Balor now. T- Who's Ricochet? We know who Ricochet is. Well, you know,
1: the, the audience at home does. The audience there didn't know, but the audience at home knows because they wouldn't shut up about how special he was and how you're about to have your mind blown. Which well, is, don't tell us, show us. Don't tell us. You know what I mean? Having Michael Cole tell me how cool Ricochet is is the fastest way to kill my appreciation for how cool he is.
0: As far as Alistair goes, uh, I believe what I said previously, it was end of last year. We were talking. I think it was after Survivor Series sometime in December. We were talking about NXT call ups, who we thought was gonna come. I honestly didn't think they would bring any of them up until after WrestleMania. I think I remember saying that. But if they were gonna bring somebody up, I think Alistair would have been one of them and to have a big WrestleMania moment with that friggin' entrance. And I remember saying specifically that they had to nail the entrance.
1: Yes. No, that's a, you and, absolutely and, did.
0: And this week they they completely effed it up. It, you know, it wasn't even utterly. a good college try. They, they completely and utterly effed it up. And yep, the, the camera I, nobody work, gives everything it. he had. He had the opportunity to be this generation's undertaker and they completely effed it up.
1: Well, again, I think that he's got enough going for him that this is uh, none of this, none of this, as much as we're going to be bitching and complaining, none of this is irredeemable. And frankly, a lot of things were done better on Smackdown the next night. Unsurprisingly. But that being said, you know, as much as I, I'm, I'm beside myself about Monday Night Raw and just how they could bungle the most simple things, at the end of the day, it was only one show. Hopefully, they can fix these things going forward. And it, from the sounds of it, it was very, a lot of it was very last minute. That's part of the problem. Why are we dealing with a culture in WWE where things are done so last minute and as a result, things are haphazard and as a result, we're not putting the best feet of our talent forward? If they, I mean, they're rolling in money. I, I, I'm always, and I know it's, it's a cliche, I always call back to that line that CM Punk gave. Vince is a millionaire who should be a billionaire. Well, now he's a billionaire, but he should be a multi-billionaire. And one of the reasons he's not is for some reason, he keeps backing into successes. And, and, and having these, you know, so the EC3, which we just mentioned, the fact that he was, had a, a, a back and forth with Dean Ambrose with two unexciting matches and was un, un, not allowed to use his, one of his great strengths, which was his promos, con, you know, changed, like look at how he was debuted in NXT, promo, 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 and then eventually down the line, once he got over, had a match, but on the main roster, the complete opposite and the, they don't, no one cared about him. It's, it's, I don't know if that's pettiness because he was a TNA guy uh, or an impact guy and this is his punishment, but why would you pay money for somebody to punish them? And this is something that's happened before in WWE where you bring in somebody just to humiliate them and then send them packing. But during the WCW invasion, that was pretty much the invasion angle was let's humiliate these WCW guys. DDP, let's make him a stalker. Like what? What is your mentality when you have these guys? You can make money off them, but instead you want to make them look like fools. Or if you even like the person and you don't look at them and say, how can we present this? Let's call them a commodity. Let's call it a spade, a spade. How can we take this commodity and sell it in the best possible way? That's what wrestling has been based on for a 100 years. How do we make what we have look as good as possible? How do you not... Do that how do, you, how do you miss the techniques to do that in, the, in these cases? It's, it's mind-boggling to me, and especially when, you know, so let's move on and talk about DIY. OK? Well, I, I
0: they, have a lot I want to say in the meta of all of this, to Vince and to the WWE in general. I mean, I, I just I feel like we could sit here and beat the horse to death about how they should do each of them individually. Let's get through what happened on Raw. Yes. And, and, then, and, and then we can just really pontificate about what the hell is going on. Because I, that's, I got a yeah. lot I want to say, but nothing really about the individual minutia of any one thing in particular.
1: Okay, so let's let's, let's talk about the last call-up, which was DIY. Yeah. First of all, why the hell is DIY back together when in storyline, Ciampa and Gargano still have like an uneasy relationship at best. Uh, yet now on Monday Night Raw, they're buddy-buddy. And they go face the new tag team champions, The Revival, which should be like a jump out of your seat exciting match. This was one of the greatest matches in NXT history was these two teams at a takeover. Uh, and this match was fine. It felt more like a main roster match. They definitely worked at more main roster. But DIY then went and beat the Revival. So I actually, in our notes, I called this Monday Night Raw the Y why, why, why edition. Because everything about the show, I went... Why? Why do this? Why do this this way? Why have your most recent tag team champions who you're trying to get over as guys who are heels but have still put in the time and work and are a great team, and you have them be- beaten by two guys who nobody who doesn't watch NXT knows who they are or their history, and all of a sudden, your new tag team champions got beat clean. Why? Why have why DIY reunite? It's Is this at on the last... Like, like, attempt at positivity here. Is this at least a good look for the tag division? Because we had like a big tag match on the show, Nick, or was this all just one of those things you kind of shake your head at and go, "Why did we do this?"
0: Depends on who you're asking. Because I'm asking you. It, no, it was not. all because you have unfinished business between Champa and Gargano. That that is just it. Blew my mind. Like why why why? Yeah. Why are you going to take this... This is part of my whole diatribe I have saved for later, but why are you taking years, years and years of building this this core and this storyline over in NXT
1: just to make it a commodity and disposable? I want to take a quick break here to tell all of our listeners that normally... We're not this crabby about the show and the product. We're just extremely <laughs> crabby today. <laughs> like normally we're, normally we're like, "Well, we didn't like this, but you know, looking at it from a different perspective, I can see how today we're particularly crabby, because this is something that you and I have been thinking about and marinating on for a long time, like these call-ups and, and all of this, and to see so much, frankly, frankly, this incompetence in storytelling and presentation from a company that should be doing better. Because they're the number one company in the world. We expect better. And even though their history has shown us time and time again that they bungle things like this, we still want them to do right.
0: Raw, Raw is a hot dumpster fire. I know. <laughs> I know. Let's bring all of our top talent from NXT and throw them in the dumpster fire and hope it works. Good luck, so, guys.
1: All right. So we went over individually all of the call-ups and what happened with them pretty much. So let's... Let me say one more thing about how this all happened. And then, Nick, I'm going to let you off the leash and you go hog wild and talk about this, as you say, in the meta sense. So all of this, all of this happened, as well as some other things we'll get to in a second, like uh, like Ronda Rousey had a rematch against Ruby Riot, which was her match on Sunday night. Only now she actually had a competitive match, which she didn't on Sunday. Okay, Um, we had a lot of stuff on the show that felt drawn out. We had a really strange segment, for example, with Lacey Evans and Heavy Machinery, where Heavy Machinery gave an awful promo at the top of the ramp. Lacey Evans, again, walks out for no reason, does a catwalk down the ramp and back up. And then Heavy Machinery, for some reason, their music kicks, and they do a weird catwalk down the ramp and bushwhack, bushwhacker walk back up. I've been calling them the new bushwhackers since the week after their debut because it feels like they're going to be one of those comedy teams that sucks. And they're doing the bushwhacker walk. That's a bad thing.
0: Got to get Tucky away from, from Otis. Dude, no, he, you've he, got to. He's going to drag him down, no, honestly. It's, that's,
1: not even, that's not even it at all. It's just the, the, the way they're being presented as a couple of idiots, frankly. I agree. Um, and Lacey Tucker does Evans, not need
0: a microphone anymore.
1: No, he does not. That's, that's for sure. It's better than him just yelling off mic. But it's neither here nor there. The point is there's a lot of presentation issues on this show. And a lot of things that did not seem to make any sense and were just kind of thrown out there. Um, kind of like how I, we're doing said, this we'll, show. <laughs> well, and well, yeah, just very haphazard. Yeah. We're, we're just kind of jumping all over the show. But you know what? It's kind of how that show felt, too. And the reason for that, uh, according to a couple of sources online, uh, was that the show originally was supposed to be built around Seth Rollins. And they were going to have him in action. And it was going to be a bunch of his story going towards Lesnar at WrestleMania. Well, as we know, Seth is recovering from some injuries that have accumulated. So he was there. He gave a promo. I thought a very nice babyface promo. Obviously, you know, Seth's very good at that. Uh, and it was juxtaposed with some footage of Lesnar being Lesnar. And Seth basically saying, yeah, I'm going for this. But that was all, that was all we had from Seth Rollins was this kind of fatalistic promo Uh, and then a really strange Dean Ambrose face moment. I don't know. We'll talk about that later. The bottom line is Seth couldn't be the the focus of the show. So last minute, they decided to change everything. And from this report, Vince apparently called up these four guys from NXT, and due to a communication issue, Triple H didn't realize they were being called up this week. Uh, Vince got to the show at 11 or 12, I believe, on the day of on Monday, They were still writing the script until half an hour into this show.
0: Like it had already started half hour. You're talking about half hour into like 830 at night.
1: Yeah. Into recording raw. They were still writing the script. That's how last minute this stuff was done. Uh, Originally, Vince had wanted Ricochet to come out and face Finn Balor for like an Intercontinental Championship open challenge and have Ricochet come out which sounds exciting and it would have been a good debut for ricochet except for the fact that they would have had to have had ricochet lose and apparently at the last minute triple h lobbied to have the match changed and put bobby lash and leo rush back together defying a bunch of logic but at least protecting ricochet somewhat in the end even though during the actual match if you break it down he did look like he cou- he wasn't quite on bobby lashley's level i understand wanting to t- to you know defend everyone's position but at the end of the day, what they did with Finn Bálor was better than the original plan, but the thing is it was all done so last minute. So many aspects of the show felt like they threw it together last minute. The segment with uh, Bailey and Sasha coming out and celebrating their tag team title win for what felt like forever and then continuing to talk about it because apparently they like the cue was missed or something happened. Bailey kept looking at the back. And then they finish up their music hits and then Tamina and Naya interrupt and we have a little back and forth and Tamina and Naya leave and that was just the segment. It was just there. It was awful. Absolutely awful. There was a lot of this. So basically what it sounds like to me was that a lot of this was done utterly last minute and as a result they didn't have the time to put this together in the best way possible. The problem isn't that they were able to save some of it. The problem is, why do it in the first place? What, what was Vince's logic where he, where he said, those people I have on Raw already are not getting a big enough reaction and not driving my, my ratings and they're not big enough stars, so I'm going to introduce more people. Why not make the people you have look better instead of just keeping on throwing shiny new things into the mix? right? Why is that the logic? Why is it the sort of thing where we have to wait till the day of the show and they still don't know how they're going to tell these stories? It's maddening. It's maddening as somebody who really enjoys a well-told story and has done a lot of you know, research and work on storytelling and how to get over character and how to get over uh, you know, a plot. And seeing something done like this is maddening. So that's, that's the report. Is that you know originally Ronda was supposed to squash Alexa, for example, uh, but at the last minute they wanted a longer segment. They didn't think Alexa could carry that long of a match with Ronda, so they made it Ruby Riot, and didn't make any logical sense. But at least we got a good match out of it. It was a good match, but so that is that's the full story as we know it. So Nick, knowing all of that, seeing the results, seeing how they debuted these NXT guys seeing how they just recently had a bunch of NXT call-ups that they're already not using, and seeing that the logic was that we need shiny new toys to excite the audience, as opposed to making the toys that we have look better. What, what was your overall meta thoughts about this situation this week on Monday Night Raw?
0: Dear Vince McMahon, we, uh, you, you proved this week... That you are no longer capable of booking a show. As a matter of fact, many months now running, you have proven not only are you not capable of performing on TV anymore, you've proven that, especially compared to what Triple H and team have done over at NXT, you've proven that you don't know what you're doing anymore. You are cratering your own product and you're, you just need to get out of the way. You're, you're ruining this stuff. We are fans of your product for 30 plus years. And you've done an amazing job building what you've built. You need to get out of the way. Because what you, what you did this week is, is an atrocity. It's, it's borderline insulting to those of us fans that have invested years of our life into just the storylines that are in NXT you, you took what has been built for the last two to three years in NXT and you just disposed of it you just used it and then threw it away and, and you, you kind of did a little bit better when you had some more time on Tuesday on Smackdown kind of tweaked a few things but all you did this week was show how inept you are at this point to book a show and as someone who absolutely adored watching you and your interactions in the ring during the attitude era you you were just an as important of a figure on TV as stone cold the rock and dx who are all hall of famers you are you were as important and you have been that as important i hate to say it brother but you got to step aside and you got to let hunter start running stuff because you got to understand what he is doing over in NXT and and what you're doing is you're showing that you have no idea what he is doing over in NXT. Y- you showed that this week. And your writing team showed that this week. And all you did all you did was reveal just how bad you are and your writing team is at that at understanding the the greater grander picture of how to do all of this properly. And this isn't this isn't a uh, I'm not mad about it because I respect you too much. But this, it, this has got to stop. I don't know what save if it's the talent that's saving SmackDown Live that's keeping that quasi-interesting. I think so. I think they're giving a little bit more leeway over there. I, can't, I don't have an explanation as to why. It just feels that way as a fan. As a fan first. But I, I, Raw has been a travesty for over a year now. I, I don't even know. I had feelings this week, and it it pains me to say this out loud. There was a period of time in the late two thousands where I quit watching. I, I got I got so upset about it. I got tired of it. I got irritated, and, and I'm, I had those feelings again this week. I, I'm so incensed and and irritated to the point of turning the channel, and I cannot say that I've had those feelings, and it's been over ten years. So ultimately you got to do something dude you can't just fly by the seat of your pants anymore and hot shot it like you did in the late 80s and all throughout the 90s and all throughout the 2000s and so far all throughout the 2010s you've kind of been doing the same thing this whole time there hasn't really been a plan has there but it's starting to show we're getting smart the social media and the internet is getting smart and we're getting wise and there's so much more revealed about the business today online and you can't get away with that shit anymore and your tactics of bringing up top guys that have spent years that are champions over on your other brand that have spent years building the storyline let's just use Ciampa and Gargano we've we've invested years into that storyline and yeah let's just bring them up and put them together and put them in a tag match yeah let's just have them beat the revival we just put the titles on them last week not a big deal really all you did was reveal right there that you have absolutely no effing idea of what is going on on the big yellow brand arguably the best thing happening in wrestling worldwide today you you have your number two guy in Triple H in Hunter has built the best wrestling product in the world for years running now and and you're you're
1: bungling it please get out of the way love Nick Respectfully, Nick. Well, so just a, 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 to, to listen to that, it was interesting because that is the kind of complaint that quote unquote "smart fans" or smarts, or whatever you want to call them, have had for years now, you know, even before the pipe bomb from CM Punk, which was essentially what you're just what you just said. And I you know there's, there's a lot of what you're saying that sadly, is very true. And a lot of it that, unfortunately, is kind of pissing up a rope because at the end of the day, this is his company. Um, also, It's the shareholders company. It's not well, his he's, company. He's the primary
0: shareholder. I understand that. But he had, um, everybody has somebody to answer to.
1: Well, and he just made them $2 billion last year, dude. So at the end of the day, they're still going to put their, their trust and reliance in him um we also at the end of the uh, at the end of the day only know from these scattershot reports what exactly is going on backstage who's in charge of what who made what decisions for all we know vince could have made a bunch of great decisions for this raw and we'll never know that at the end of the day though the product that's coming out on the main roster is as we have been said a few times on this show today haphazard and you're taking elements that are working really well and you're breaking them down, and you're not using them. And instead of fixing the elements that you have, you're just throwing new things at the wall and hoping that that fixes the problem. And that, I think, is the most egregious thing that's happening this week. Uh, you know whether, what, where, I'm not going to address your overall complaints with Vince McMahon right now, because we've got to get on with the show. But as far as this week, I think from what you're saying, and I, the thing I agree with is throwing new toys... Into the ball pit is a dumb idea when you already have so many in there.
0: When you already have a more special ball pit already built and
1: ready to go. And also, given the example of what you've already shown us, you've shown us you don't know how to handle these things. You know, instead of of, uh, buying a nice shiny new Mercedes, why don't you fix the one that you have in your garage? It's going to be cheaper and you already know what you got with it. You know, why, why is... Why do you feel like the authors of pain aren't worthy of a big push and and rehab? It wouldn't be hard to rehab them. No, uh, you know what I mean. It wouldn't be re, it wouldn't be hard to rebuild sanity as a scary force. But instead, we and you know, there's a lot of superstars that you have already in your brand that you could make into exciting stars. But the problem, but part of it is, is that we're, they're overexposed. We see them every week, and one of the reasons why it's so exciting to see Ricochet, DIY, Alistair Black. We NXT, we don't see them every week. You know, we see them every once in a while. And see them on the main roster once it's exciting. In six months, if we see them every week, they're going to be just as, quote, unexciting as everybody else. Unless you handle them well. And looking at Alistair particularly, unless you give them a certain level of respect and mystique. Undertaker is Undertaker because they took a really goofy gimmick and gave it respect. They respected it. They said, let's not make this goofy. And they they tried sometimes. I'm looking at, at fake Undertaker. They gave him some goofy ass shit to work with sometimes, but they that they were able to keep a level of respect to it overall. And and of course the fact that Mark Calloway is just fantastic, you know, and a, and a brilliant guy. But anyway, anyway, uh, so Nick, we have gone on for this for long enough. Obviously, we are disgruntled with how the NXT call ups were handled. We're disgruntled with the state of the product, the fact that it would be handled in this way, so so just egregiously. Uh, and last minute, hot shotted, uh, and and the talent that we've invested, as you said, very very truly, the talent we've invested time in in NXT, uh, coming up and having a lot of these fantastic storylines be disregarded, uh, seemingly, it it's it's a little it it's like being a cat pet the wrong way.
0: I want to be clear; it pains me to say what I just said. Yeah, it 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 really does for fans well, we don't- for pure fans of wrestling. That we have been for decades. We don't and, do the
1: show because we hate the product.
0: No, of course not. Um, and, and for being Vince was one of my favorite foils and characters on TV and wrestling. Maybe ever. He's in that list. The The, the interactions that he had during the attitude era were brilliant.
1: Well, uh, and let's yeah. to
0: see some of this stuff getting kind of. I don't know. I don't want to repeat everything it's, again. To,
1: to, call a spade, to call a spade a spade, there are a lot of brilliant things that Vince has done. The reason we have this product at all is because Vince is a genius. He also uh, is apparently having, has a lot of habits that are very deleterious to his product as well and is, is really holding it back from what it could be. They have all the money and all the talent in the world. You cannot blame the talent for the product that we're getting. You nope. can't. They have all the talent in the world. There is no excuse for them not to be used better. It's the reason we have AEW, frankly. And, and, and whatever it's going to be, whether it's going to be a, a, a bust or it's going to be hugely successful, it would not exist if we didn't have two guys who didn't want to go to WWE and the Young Bucks because they knew they would be misused or one guy who was misused in the WWE and forgotten about, Cody Rhodes, and he got pissed and went off and did his own thing, and now it's coming back to bite them in the ass.
0: Hey, so. some happy notes. Um Ugh. to close out raw here, being a Charlotte boy, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, Ian, we're getting old. Ric Flair is turning seventy. Oh
1: dear God. Hey, like man, seven
0: seven zero. I didn't say seven seven zero seventy years old.
1: Dude, I, I've long since gotten past any concept of of worrying about getting old because all of my heroes are, are dead and all of my enemies are in power. I'm not even worried about it anymore. Ric <laughs> Flair is seventy. Great. Okay. Keep doing well, th- those rap videos, Rick. Live your best life, man. Dude, Rick Rick is amazing. I'm looking forward to his birthday party next week. Interestingly enough, also next week, we've got Brock Lesnar will be on the show for once, and Roman Reigns will be coming back to discuss his leukemia. So there, here's, the th- here's the final thing I I'll say about this show. know how to fix
0: it, Raw. <laughs> here's Let's cra- have Roman crazy. Reigns come back and talk about cancer.
1: Well, Raw was up 12% this week, so Vince's idea about popping his ratings worked. It was up 12%. But the thing is, the third, the third hour fell off precipitously. Once people realized Becky wasn't going be to be on the show, they tuned out. So maybe it was, didn't work as well as he thought. So we'll see if those, if those numbers continue to trend upward next week uh, with all of these things that they're throwing at the wall to try to build towards WrestleMania. Uh, or at least get, it, get the ball really rolling, get, get people watching before WrestleMania.
0: One of the reasons you tuned in to Monday Night Raw back in the day back in the attitude era was what is stone cold going to do next sure. and i guarantee you the reaction is the same for becky lynch uh, uh for people to tune in Absolutely. last week she showed up and beat the hell out of ronda rousey and and charlotte flair with damn with a crutch let, and, busted uh, ronda wide open and dude. bruised up
1: charlotte's arm Prop, props to both of them, by the way, because apparently they both told Becky to just go for it and hit them as hard as she could, and she did, and she did, <laughs> and it looked great. It so was I,
0: I was tuned in this week, waiting. What the hell is Becky Lynch gonna do next? When are we gonna get that next moment? I don't want to miss it. She's gonna and get arrested. we don't even.
1: We don't get her. She's gonna get arrested. if She comes to the arena. Okay, let her get arrested. Cool. That's, great. That's cool. That's gold. Anyway, drive, doesn't matter, drive, she doesn't a, there.
0: drive a truck into the limo. You know, just <laughs> do something. <laughs>
1: That might be getting it a little bit too close to home, but uh, at any rate, yeah. So we we went over most of the things that were on Monday Night Raw this week. Uh, there was also a match between Kurt uh, Hawkins and Zack Ryder versus Lindsay Dorado and Grand Metalik. Kurt Hawkins, of course, ate the pin. I don't know what's going on with them, but it's just more tag team nonsense. I don't think they're making either team look fantastic here. Um, check, that was boy. raw. Enjoy enjoy the ride. That was that was raw. So it was it was definitely a. Uh, there was some good stuff. Here's the thing. As much as we just bitched about it, they did pull some good stuff out of there. The crowd did get really hyped for Ricochet at the end. They, they did end up being excited for the DIY and revival match. They did end up liking Alistair Black. Like there, there was good stuff, but overall, the crowd was just miserably dead. Luckily, however, later on this week, we did have SmackDown Live.
0: Well, the main event of SmackDown Live ended up being a six-man tag match. But, Ian, we've got to talk about how we got there because there was a little bit of, little bit of stuff going on on this show. We a lot, up, of,
1: lot of bit of stuff going on.
0: Yeah, we opened up with Shane McMahon coming out. Um, apparently, The Miz wanted to apologize to him. Uh, he was apparently so impressed with Monday Night Raw and the debut of these four new amazing superstars from NXT, that he invited them to SmackDown Live as well.
1: Yep, and and they all showed up and had matches on the show, and I will say, with the exception of, I think, Ricochet, although he did have a good match, but I think it was a little bit more electric on Monday, largely because of the, uh, the presence of uh, Finn in his corner and the fact that... He and Leo Rush have a long history. They used to—I remember them back in PWG in 2014 having a match. So they worked really well together, had a good and and had a good chemistry, as you would expect they would. Whereas on Tuesday, he was facing off against Eric Young from Sanity, which was random as hell. Random as hell. I'm happy to see Sanity on TV. Don't get me wrong, but I was—I was happy to see them too. But it seemed like a strange choice. You know, I wouldn't have mind. You know who I would have liked to have seen him fight against. Maybe he will in the next couple of weeks, depending on how if they keep these guys up here or what their plans are.
0: Andrade, but he was busy.
1: Well, Andrade was facing Alistair Black, and that was a great match, although a little bit short. But that's okay; it it didn't need to be longer. It was it was supposed to be a tease. Uh, But I, dude, I wouldn't mind if Ricochet faced a Shelton Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, as you said, so Shane said that we were bringing all those NXT talents to SmackDown as well. We had them peppered throughout the show. We also had peppered throughout the show uh, little vignettes with everyone involved in the six-man tag. And it was essentially a retread of Elimination Chamber, which normally I would be a little bit grumpy about. But I wasn't mad at this because everyone involved in this right now is exciting to me. They've do- what they have done on SmackDown that's not being done on Raw is taken their top six guys and made any one of them at any time a contender for their number one championship belt. They have made them all exciting characters with enough differentiation in character that it felt to me like a true roster should where I could be excited about any guy at any given time because of the individual character that they portray.
0: And a special congrats to Daniel Bryan. You've made the WWE Championship relevant again. Thank you.
1: Thank you. For well, that. not only relevant, but he's been put in a situation now where he could literally have a match with any of the five other guys. The five other guys being Randy Orton, Samoa Joe, uh, Kofi Kingston, AJ Styles, or Jeff Hardy, and have it be an exciting feud or match. Yeah. The most exciting one, of course, is the is the the recent rise or return of Kofi Kingston, who now is getting some of the biggest reactions in the WWE outside of Becky Lynch. It's crazy. Kofi Mania is running wild. And I that's not hyperbole. People are seriously behind Kofi. And he was the big story of the night. Uh, because in the six man tag, which was entertaining, the ultimate story was Kofi comes in at the end, goes on a big old baby face run, fires up, and pins Daniel Bryan one, two, three, earning himself a match against Daniel Bryan at fast lane.
0: Now, before the match, Daniel Bryan promoed um By the way, alongside Eric Rowan, oh uh, T-shirt watch,
1: watch. T-shirt watch, apparently
0: Duff Alcohol Abuse Center, a a spin off of Williamsburg Brooklyn.
1: No, Williamsburg Brooklyn—that might be an actual thing. I haven't actually looked it up. I'll I'll look it up in a second here. Okay. I I hope it's not. Anyway, we got (laughs) a beer
0: shirt, not a metal band this week. I know. I guess he just—he was—he was was getting scared of he was going to have to step it up into some really obscure grindcore stuff. He
1: already was. I I don't know, man. Rowan heel turn confirmed. He's already gone on something else besides metal shirts. Anyway, yes. sorry. <laughs> Daniel Bryan gave a promo.
0: Daniel Bryan gave a promo saying all all five of the other guys were already in the ring saying none of you are going to get my... You had your chance at Elimination Chamber. You're not going to get another shot at no my one's WWE Championship. Got, I just
1: beat all these guys at, at, at Elimination Chamber. Exactly. Yep.
0: And uh, at Ultimate League, after Kofi pens him, Shane McMahon comes out and announces that his... that is contender at fast lane will be none other than Kofi Kingston. So now we are set fast lane WWE championship match, Daniel Bryan against Kofi Kingston. Okay. Um, Let's talk about this for a minute because I think all excitement and ski aside, do we really think they're going to drop the belt on the B show pay-per-view before Wrestlemania?
1: No. I don't think so. Unless, no. unless some stuff got really, really weird. Kind of did um, this
0: week, to be honest. But uh, uh,
1: Yes, but I, here's the thing. I agree with you. This feels more like Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns, uh, whatever it was, two or three years ago, where everyone wanted Daniel Bryan to go, and Roman, he had to, Roman Reigns had to basically work through the fan sentiment about Daniel Bryan, and so they had that match at I believe it was Fastlane or Roadblock, the, the, the before Wrestlemania event. And we all were like, well, maybe Daniel Bryan will actually win here and go on to WrestleMania because it was for the WrestleMania main event. And no, of course not. Roman won. And the next night, Daniel Bryan said, I'm a fan of Roman Reigns now. So this feels to me like that. Like this is a gimme to the fans. Uh, Yeah, Kofi will have a match. He will lose that match. And then Daniel Bryan will go face someone bigger like AJ Styles at WrestleMania. That's what it feels like to me. By the way, before we uh, continue with this, uh, 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 two seconds of research and I found out that Duff's Brooklyn uh, Alcohol Abuse Center is a bar a heavy metal bar specifically in Brooklyn, New York and I Fantastic. know that the guy who's the guy who's my bassist in my band actually has played a show there I just I just found all this out. So, nice. yeah. So it's actually it is not <laughs> as I initially thought an alcohol a rehab's clinic. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was like I thought like a, a charity shirt on for the kids. No, it's a bar. It's a heavy metal bar in New York. That's, That's awesome.
0: awesome. Yeah. So if, we, there, if, you, go. if you happen to if be we, going to WrestleMania, be sure to go over to Brooklyn and check
1: it out. Seriously, uh, that uh, there, sounds there, like my kind look of look joint. Rowan's Rowan's T-shirt watch once again pays dividends. Yes. So. Look at that. So anyway, yes, as you said, uh, Kofi Kingston at Fastlane, don't see much coming out of that. I think that if they're... If they're smart, I mean, I don't know if they can build AJ to be as exciting as Kofi, and I'm trying to do the math to figure out how Kofi could have a match at Fastlane and then have a more exciting match against Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. How they could make it would have to be
0: some kind of stipulation uh, match at uh, some kind of Last Man Standing because of the stamina, endurance, and endurance of these two guys. I could see a Last Man Standing match for the championship between the two of them as a stipulation at WrestleMania. I, I think that would tear the house down, and people would go bat Ladder uh, match.
1: Ladder match between sure. Kofi and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Sure. Sold. Sold. Or even, if, I don't care, make it a three-way, put AJ in there. I don't care. That's too many three-ways if you have uh, you know, the, the women's match as well with Charlotte, Becky, I'm not convinced Ronda, that's but, what's happening yet. Oh, my God. I've been telling you it's happening since November. Anyway, uh, when will you believe me, Nick. God is believe-
0: winning his sixteenth at WrestleMania. Yeah,
1: you didn't, you didn't believe me that it was going to be Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar last year. You're not believing me. It's going to be a three way with the women this year. It's okay, dude. We've only been doing this show for two years. Who, 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 who won the Pickums at WrestleMania last year by a mile? Who hasn't won any other Pickum since? Doesn't All matter. right, moving, moving on. Does does matter? It does matter. These things matter. Wins and losses matter, Nick. Wins in losses- WWE. Wins and losses matter. God damn it, God Jeff. Goddammit, Nick. All right. <laughs> Moving back to uh, SmackDown, um, one last thing with Kofi is that yes, there I could see a way that the fan support with Daniel Bryan him, ironically, to a main to a, an event with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania.
0: Well said, but, that's a good but, way to look at it.
1: You know what I mean? But like, but right now, Kofi Mania, I think, dies at Fastlane. That's just that's just the way it feels right now, and that sucks. One little thing about Kofi before we move on to all of the NXT matches, uh, the call-up matches on the show, uh, Kofi Kingston, I, he. Got his back. Nine years later, after the Randy Orton stupid, stupid incident on Raw 2010, Kofi finally got his back. Go back and watch this six-man match. He knocks Randy down at one point and starts screaming stupid, stupid, stupid at him. (laughs) I missed that. Do you, okay, do you remember the do you remember the? I do, I'm yeah. talking about? So yep. uh, uh, for people who, who missed it, back in 2010, Kofi had a match against Randy Orton. This was in the era when Randy was using the punt as a way to just end people's lives, end people's careers, whatever. It was like considered the most dangerous move ever. And Kofi bungled it by kicking out of the punt on a raw. And Randy got so mad about it, he gave him a legit RKO, smashed up Kofi, And then just stood up and started yelling stupid at him, stupid, stupid. And uh, apparently they had beef for a little while At that. Kofi's push got stopped, cold. His singles push got stopped. I guess the perception was that he wasn't, quote, ready for the big time because he bungled something that essentially simple. Uh, I thought it was a nice callback, a little bit of history. This is why I like when wrestlers take advantage of, because they know better than the writers or anybody what their own history is. Yeah. So anytime they take advantage of their own history like this, I freaking love it. And I love that moment. Obviously, Randy's a different guy now. Kofi's a different guy now. Uh, it was. I could see Randy mouthing something on the mat after Kofi did it, and he went down for the pin. Uh, Randy, or no, you sorry, he went for the boom drop. Excuse me. I could see Randy mouthing something on the ground, so I'm sure he was probably saying something like, "Oh, you little son of a bitch," or something like that. Like he knew it was, knew, knew it was a rib. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was, but it was a nice little detail moment that nice I uh, picked up this match that was really cool. Yeah, it was a nice little touch. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe <laughs> meant to troll the internet fans too. Like there's still heat. There's still heat between the two of them. Uh, anyway, moving on. Moving on, let's talk about some of these NXT call-up matches. Alister Black versus Andrade Cien Almas. Andrade Cien Almas uh, versus Alister Black. Do you think they did a better job with Alister Black on this show?
0: Uh, you know, at a certain point I I stopped paying attention to the little details. And I just tried oh, to sh- after the travesty that was Monday Night Raw, <laughs> I, I tried to just sit back and live in the moment okay, and, and, just, and just be a fan and not critique every single little thing. It was better. It was better than what they did on Raw.
1: Okay, good. That, that was, uh, it was still not was for, yeah. as
0: like the camera was the work was level? a little better. It wasn't as good as NXT, no. Yeah,
1: well, there and the announced. Oh God, Todd, Todd Phillips, Corey, Corey Graves, thankfully jumping in with his stuff about the left hand path and making it sound a little bit more mystical and mysterious. What even is that? <laughs> Who cares? I don't the care. What? That's the point. Yeah, it, it's called mystique for a reason. It's supposed to be mysterious, make people wonder what it is because that keeps our interest. And they did that a lot better on SmackDown with Todd Phillips not going overboard with the horrible, horrible descriptives and adjectives like Michael Cole did on Monday night. Michael Cole almost single-handedly murdered him on Monday night. I swear to God. That was, that was the angriest I've been at, at WWE in a long time. And I'm a Michael Cole defender 90% of the time. But that's one that was just egregious. Who wrote that? Fire them! Oh, excuse me. Um... <sighs> So, yes, a better introduction for Aleister Black for the uh, Andrade Cien Almas match. And then a quite a nice match. Um, although it was it was always it's always interesting to watch Zelina Vega cheer on her husband as he's getting his ass kicked. <laughs> but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh this also was kind of a retread of a dream match. Uh Aleister, of course, won his first NXT championship from Andrade Cien Almas. So that was, a, that was a nice call. A couple of nice callbacks actually in their move sets to that match. Uh, but you did see Alistair pick up the win here. And, God, dude, did Andrade sell that black mass kick like a, he got just a shotgun to the head or what? There
0: was that. There was the double knees off the top turnbuckle by Alistair. Yes. There was the double knees into the corner by Andrade. Just this whole thing was a complete throwback to last summer when they had their, their big match. And it, I'm a
1: Yeah. Woof. I'm a little sad that the, uh, the Rey Mysterio angle seems to have gone away for some reason. But yeah. if we if we were to looking at a, a longer term feud between Andrade and, and Alistair, I wouldn't be mad either. Nope. Those guys can work. Nope. Um, let's see. We also had DIY was backstage. Who DIY? You know, I don't DIY. know who that is. Hashtag DIY because
0: I I haven't watched NXT for three plus years ago or two years no. ago.
1: Oh, you know, Tommaso Ciampa, the NXT. Oh champion. yeah, yeah,
0: that, I know that guy. Johnny Gargano, the North
1: American champion. Uh, I'm being a sarcastic butthead right now because this is exactly
0: what they should have done when they were doing the writing. What if people don't know who DIY is?
1: Take your pills, Nick. Take your pills. It's okay. Um, On the upside, they did do a pretty good introduction into their their new attitude when the bar came up and challenged them to a match. Uh, This was a good visual too because Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano are not big guys and Cesaro and Sheamus... Are and so it was. Uh, it was nice to see DIY looking like the kind of the, the the like the little underdogs, like the angry underdogs. And then they went out and had a really nice match with the uh, with the bar. You know, a, a lot of people forget how great the bar are, because they've they've been used so poorly a lot of times and have, are, can be kind of dull. But they're fantastic workers, and this was a fantastically worked match. The one exception being, of course, when um, Champa came off. He tried to, uh, I believe, it was a power bomb. Uh, or something to, to to Sheamus, and Sheamus came down. Oh, he was trying to jack his back with the legs. I don't know. Anyway, i got to go look at what it was exactly, but basically Sheamus came down on Ciampa's knee, and it looked bad for both guys, Uh-oh. and it's, it's a really lucky that Ciampa seemed fine for the rest of the match. It was a that's really the, scary spot. That's the
0: other consideration you got to take into here. You've still got an unfinished storyline and two straps around these guys' waists. What if one of them gets hurt? What are you going to do over on NXT?
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, it was a sunset flip powerbomb. That's what it was. His foot slipped. Anyway. But the end of the day, they beat the bar. And they are former champs, so that still made DIY look good. Um, It was weird to have the two of them acting like they were okay with each other and, and being faces. Like, face Champa is a weird, weird thing to me. I'm still not quite wrapping my head around what the thought is. Even though the announcers are still saying he's dastardly, uh, it's weird to see him and Johnny being okay. And I think the tension that he and Johnny are trying to kind of insert in there is messing with what they're selling us as to who DIY is.
0: I'm not even going to sit here and pretend I'm okay with this in any capacity. It's, you know... Yeah, I understand that. Are, was this a house show? Are you just throwing guys together? No, this is SmackDown, dude. And and the the fact I I'm back up on my soapbox again. Unfinished storylines. <laughs> I I'm not leave? done with the other story over in NXT, dude. Knock it off. There's oh, plenty one of one other of greatest, tag teams for one the, of the stupid story bar to of to Time every yeah. night.
1: Yeah. Yep. Well, that's he, the thing is, are they calling them up as this? Is the, so this one thing we didn't talk about on Raw is no one has said if these guys are permanently called up. Uh, or in what capacity they're called up? Are Gargano and Champa a tag team? If no! so, if so, God help them. Uh, you know, are, are these guys permanently going to be on the roster, for traveling along? Are they on SmackDown? Are they on Raw? Is there going to be a, a united brand after WrestleMania? Is not going to be a shakeup. It's just going to be united brands, and these guys, are, everyone's going to be a cross brand, kind of like what they're doing with Heavy Machinery right now and all the other call ups. Like, what is going on? They have completely lost track of. The idea of people being assigned to specific shows—it's that's that that aspect is very frustrating. No,
0: I and, I I am two years invested plus into the DIY and Champa and Gargano story at this point. This is not okay. I, I, there's no there's no way in hell this is okay. We've joked about dark DIY being a thing, but that needs to be developed. That needs to be established. Sure, you can't just are, throw them on TV as a tag team. With their no. weird brooding looking at each other like, is this really happening? I don't know what's happening right now. Are we doing this? Okay, I don't know. Uh,
1: the thing is, is that they, it looks could, like chumps, dude. They, they could theoretically simultaneously develop that in NXT before WrestleMania and we get, you know, we get the final conclusion of the story being Johnny joins up with evil Johnny joins up with evil Champa, and they become dark DIY the problem is, is that's a really sort of underwhelming finish to this story in terms of Johnny Gargano's arc, uh, which is unfortunate because we at some point wanted Johnny Gargano to break free from all this and rise and take the belt off of Ciampa, and that was going to be his redemption story. Yes! If he doesn't get that, doesn't get that <laughs> redemption arc, it is going to be a disappointing end to this. But you know what? At, at least hopefully they can get it to a point where it's acceptable uh, that they leave it. So I could almost it, I don't hear think
0: Triple, Triple H's head popping and his heart exploding <laughs> at this.
1: That might have been mine.
0: <laughs> mine too. But, but uh, just the idea that they just oh,
1: it's the problem bah. is, is we we as you said, we're so invested in that from watching all the product that we are we're kind of getting worked by this unintentionally and uh, a lot of people who don't watch NXT are are wondering why the internet's blown up and people are complaining right now because so they're kinda of like, yeah, I guess they're cool, these guys. They're they're they seem like they're fun, they're talented. Uh, Weird's we'll cool. Huh? You know, yeah, whatever. So we'll wait and see how the main roster crowd ends up dealing with them. So far, Ricochet, I would say, is probably getting the best overall reactions just because he's the flashiest. And he had that, as we said, the match against Eric Young. The thing that that Ricochet has done, and I've said this about NXT before, the thing that Ricochet has done um, which was, which was flying in the face of all of his critics because his critics said that he was a spot monkey, a guy who just went out there and did flippy stuff for no reason. He still kind of does that, but the thing is is that he has adapted that style to make it seem like all of his offense just happens to be acrobatic, but that it's done for a purpose. Every move is done with a calculated purpose in mind as it being the best move to throw off his opponents. It's kind of like if you ever played Tekken 3, He's the Eddie. You know what I mean? He kind of flips around a lot, but at the same time, that shit's effective. And it can really mess you up if you don't know where he's coming from because it's such a weird style. Um, and and if it's you look, so fast. It's so fast. If you watch the Gargano versus Ricochet match from the last takeover, it's a really well-told story of Johnny Gargano, who is a mat-based wrestler and striking-based wrestler, trying to figure out how the hell to combat a guy whose offensive moves can come from anywhere at any time and usually from a flying angle. And Ricochet playing a guy who can he can go on the mat if he has to, but a lot of his offense is intentionally done to throw you off because he can do all these incredibly acrobatic moves. So it's it's a it's a build to the Ricochet character and to his move set and it's a credit to him for being able to turn his his style of wrestling into one that becomes logical. It makes it makes Sense. And I remember uh, listening to Stone Cold talk about Ricochet's legendary Battle of the Super Juniors match against Will Ospreay and saying how the selling wasn't very good because these guys took these moves that looked like they could be deadly and just popped right back up because they had to do the next big, seemingly uh, choreographed move set. And he said that it was incredibly talented, but it didn't feel like a wrestling match. It felt like a showcase. Yeah. And Ricochet has evolved from that because Stone Cold said, this is what the guy would have to do to make it better. He followed all of Stone Cold's precepts. He's, you know, he made it. He ma- he sells better. He actually works a match. He makes every move make sense. Why he would do it, and if the move connects, or if it doesn't connect, what the repercussions are. Yeah. So, but uh, Ricochet rant over. Well, you and I both love Ricochet on this show. He's a, he's a great guy. Oh so God, we're huge Ricochet we're so, fans. We're so of happy, happy to see. I want to say on one level.
0: thing real quick, and just how I I could not stop smiling. The few times this week that I actually smiled watching wrestling oh, was was watching Ricochet walk down the ramp and just look around like a kid in a candy store. Oh yeah, smiling as big as he was, and just kind of looking back and forth at wow, and it well, was the- it was such a kind of the feels moment of
1: yeah, oh it's that- a boy. That babyface promo so that he up. cut, I don't know if you saw it. If you watched the Hulu version, Nick, you didn't see it, but he cut a babyface promo with Finn Balor after their match on Monday that was a really awesome babyface promo. And he does not he's not the greatest promo in the world, but he's totally satisfactory. But this was one of his better ones. And it actually felt like he said, you know, it's basically one of those if you want to achieve your dream, you can kind of speeches. Just that, that whitest of white meat babyface promos. But he pulled it off with some real emotion. Yep. And it was one of those things where I looked at him and went, way to go, buddy. Yep. Good job. Good job. So uh, we are going to go from us being excited about Ricochet being on the show and getting over with the crowd by pinning Eric Young to the opposite end of the spectrum. Another booking decision that made me pull my hair out, although I have come around on it. I'm I'm starting to see it, but it's still scaring me. Asuka came out. Finally, she's back on Smackdown Live and uh, gave us an explanation for where she's been and what she's been doing and what her plans are. When asked if she she had anything to say about how the Raw Women's Championship has been the focus for the last few months, she said, no, I don't really care. All I care about is my next competition and who I'm going to beat next. I've beaten Becky. I just beat her at Royal Rumble. I can beat Ronda. I can beat Charlotte. I don't care who's coming for me next. And her response, Mandy, Mandy, Mandy came out. And, of course, immediately everyone kind of went, okay, okay. Uh, Mandy Rose is going to take on Asuka. Uh, This should be good. Mandy Rose beat Asuka. <clears throat> Mandy, let me say this again slower. Mandy Rose beat Asuka. Pinned Asuka clean. Pinned Asuka clean. Relatively clean. Lacey Evans did come out and catwalk down and, and away for some reason again. She did that thing. Uh, distracted Oscar for a little bit. But that wasn't, that didn't make her lose the match. Mandy faked like she had an eye injury. That didn't make her lose the match. Sonia DeVille tried to get involved. That didn't make her lose the match. No, 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 no. After all these distractions, Mandy Rose rolled her up and won the match. So apparently, nobody's ready for Asuka, but Asuka isn't ready for distractions like roll-ups and James Ellsworth showing up in an Asuka outfit. That's the best way to beat her. Just showing her something like a flashy object, and you got her beat. What the heck, Nick? What What was this? Why? <laughs> well, Why? Why? I- Why? I have a possible explanation why, but I want to hear what your thoughts were on this first.
0: Look, I've, I'm on record as being pretty high on Mandy Rose. Uh, I think she's been underutilized. I think she's been uh, not represented well. Having her paired with Sonia Deville has kept her out of some stuff, and we've been speculating that she was about to get a push. I didn't expect this, uh, nor do I think she's ready for this, to be clear. Um, I was surprised. But I wasn't surprised. I don't know how better to articulate that other than it's a it's a buff blonde girl that can that can wrestle pretty good uh hashtag vince mcMahon
1: hashtag uh, hashtag vince's uh what vince's fetish yeah
0: um. Yeah. This this is the real version of what they had hoped Eva Marie would become, and they kind of found her in the the tough enough in, in a NXT system, you know. Yeah. They,
1: well, it's, it's another Trish Stratus too. Yeah. It's, it's Vince Vince looks at her and sees Trish Stratus too. Yep. So,
0: I, you know, I I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. I'm surprised it happened this early. I'm surprised this is going to be Oscar's feud leading to WrestleMania. I'm surprised that she her clean like this off a couple of distractions. I mean, somebody of the caliber of Oscar that has the longest reign, more than Goldberg at this point. And, and you're going to let Mandy Rose pin her. Okay.
1: Um, yeah, I, so I, this is, that's kind of where I'm at with it too, where I, I, I'm like, what are you doing? But here's the thing. It's only this week. I'm waiting to see where they go with this. um, This is a quick way of making Mandy look like she's on Asuka's level, is that she beat her. Okay, so Asuka, as we said before, has no one on SmackDown who we we thought could realistically step up to her. So what's the fastest way to get somebody to feel like they could realistically step up to her and take her title? Have them pin her. I don't agree with it. I don't think that's the smartest way. Um, I, I think that there could be other ways to build someone, have someone come out and look really dominant beating other people. Mandy Rose all of a sudden, you know, clicks into high gear and is squashing Carmella or something or, 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 sure. or Naomi, right?
0: Working her way through the, the entire women's division. I, that's, right. I'm with you. So that, they're trying and that's to, but they're, what I expected.
1: But they're trying to jumpstart this. And like with you, I see Mandy Rose's upside. The problem is I really vacillate with her. Where sometimes I go, wow, that's some really good stuff she's doing there. She's got some that's that's a really some really clean moves. She's got a good look, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then other ta- other times I look at her and all I see is a Trish Stratus sex bot that got hit by a bolt of lightning to bring her to life. And it's it doesn't work for me. Uh, you know, she doesn't feel alive sometimes. She doesn't have the charisma that Trish Stratus did. If we're going to do direct, that. if we're going to do direct comparisons, yeah, she still feels like she's kind of hesitant about everything. And that might just be the, her lack of experience. Maybe she will get better. Maybe you got to put her over the fire to to get her where she needs to go. Um, but this, at the time when I saw it, I just, I put my head in my hands. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This is not what Asuka needs. Asuka should be a, 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 you know, the equivalent of like, maybe not on the Brock Lesnar level because that's just too much. She should be the final boss. The final boss doesn't get rolled up. It shouldn't happen. Didn't even get a finisher put on her. No, she doesn't get tricked. You know what I mean. So I, this is this I thought was a bungled book. Um, they can obviously redeem it. They can have Mandy look like she's, like she's competitive until fast lane and have Oscar murder her at fast lane, and I'll be fine. But if you start telling me that Mandy Rose is suddenly ready for Oscar, I tell you no. So let's let's finish out SmackDown Live here really, really quickly, brother. Uh, as you mentioned, Shane did come out at the top of the show. But that segment didn't end with him talking about the NXT guys. It ended with Miz coming out and apologizing for all kinds of things. He apologized for uh, using Shane, like by tricking him into joining up with him, by by using the dad card, essentially. But then also he he apologized to him for losing the match and not being as good as he needed to be to be in a tag team with Shane. But then he begged Shane to make a rematch against the Usos. So, I don't know. It it felt like a little bit like they're they can't they, they still can't figure out the Miz face character, I don't think. Or they had, just
0: show- they had the opportunity this week and they had me going, waiting I was waiting for Shane to walk away and for the split to happen. They they pulled the trigger on it by having them drop the belts at Elimination Chamber uh, this Sunday. And I think that surprised all of us. Not me cuz I called it, but <laughs> Yeah. I, I was very. It felt like they were leading us down the path of Shane walking away from this whole experiment. I say that meaning that's what Shane would be thinking. Okay, it was a fun experiment, Miz, but you know, it's, just, it's just not working out. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm that's hurt. The
1: facial, that's the facial expressions he was giving. Yes,
0: and when we we cut away from it a couple of times, as as Miz walked out or as the Usos walked out, I couldn't remember what it was. Um, but he kept smiling at him, and I was waiting for it to turn into a a furled brow or something that would you know indicate that Shane is turning. No, we didn't get it. And I was going Well,
1: what I, are we doing here, guys? Well, well, so so I actually did see some of Shane being reticent to join back up with the Miz, but then when the Usos came out and ran down the Miz, calling him a loser, calling him all these horrible things and Shane said, "Look, don't talk about my partner that way." It you dig? like that's you <laughs> dig. You dig. That's that He's almost 50, man. Give him a break. Um Oos. Uh so it that to me felt like sh- this was the moment where Shane was on the fence but the Uso's forced him in- to make a decision and so he booked a rematch at Fastlane. To me this is actually this does make sense. It does seem like it's having a logical progression because if they start to show cracks on their way to this rematch and then during the rematch things really fall apart, that does seem like it's a logical step by step progression and it's going in the timing that it should. So I'm I'm not mad at this yet. This is working for me. And frankly, anytime that the Usos and Shane and Miz have a confrontation and, and start jaw jacking at each other, it's entertaining to me. It's still entertaining to me.
0: I'm going to steal a little bit from Bill Maher and have oh Nick Nick's new rules. Oh God! So for the inaugural new rule, nobody else has to call somebody Us except for the Usos. <laughs> this shit needs to stop because it's becoming too common and you guys are going to ruin
1: it. He's, he's, well, you just broke your own rule. Uh, I don't mind Shane doing it because he was doing it mockingly. You know what I mean? If they're doing I get it like that. buddy, and buddy. that's why
0: everybody's doing it, but it's not funny. It's not cute. It just stop. It's their thing. Leave it alone.
1: All right. Oos. well, moving on, we've got, we had uh, finally one thing to talk about on both shows. Kevin Owens is still getting these promos. These weird promos where he looks like an average guy he's taking his kid out to the movies and his kid spends all the 20 bucks he gives him to just get popcorn and a, and, a, and, a, and a drink. So there's a lot of Kevin Owens eating unhealthy food and hanging out with his family and being family guy regular Kevin Owens. Gee, I can't wait to come back and, you know, take back over on Raw Smackdown, eh? I've been
0: working real hard.
1: Been working real hard, eh? Uh, eating his food, hanging out with my kid, eh? I don't know why he's suddenly really Canadian, but he is Canadian, so... He is eh? really Canadian. <laughs> there you go, eh? So uh, that's me and my Kevin Owens impression from now on. Eh? Uh, so I, I is this? Are they bringing back regular Joe Kevin Owens and not prize fighter Kevin Owens? Not psychopath. I am gonna kill you, Kevin Owens. This is my show, Kevin Owens. Are they bringing back? Hey, yeah, I got a great family, and I'm I like bowling and eating pizza. eh? Is that looks, the Kevin Owens we're getting? Looks that way. That's weird. That's yeah, weird. it's a little weird. That's a little weird. I'm 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 very curious to see. I'm a little scared. I'm a little. Is he going to start
0: saying like hashtag dadbot and trying to wear like mom jeans and try to be the cool cool
1: dad? Oh dear God, no! It's it's horrifying. Oh, I just yeah. Um, maybe I'm crazy, but this doesn't look. Maybe I am crazy. Maybe I am insane. (laughs) But this looks this looks this looks bad. Well, Nick, that does it for Raw and SmackDown. We made it through, and our heads did not explode. Mine's mine's exploding right now. There's only a little trickle of blood coming out of my ear holes right now, so we're okay. We can continue with the show and head on over and talk about the wide world of wrestling.
0: Well, over on NXT, we got a few announcements as well as uh, one really badass match. I scared Ian this week when we were watching this. Uh, we got the announcement at the end of this, towards the end of the show. The Dusty Classic is back, uh, and the build begins. We got the announcement of the first four teams that are going to be in it. Undisputed Era, uh, Fabian Eichner and Bartell, Forgotten Sons, and the Street Profits.
1: So the Dusty Classic is starting up. That was their big announcement this week for NXT. Uh, the Champions War Raiders will defend against the winners of the Dusty Classic. So far, we've only had four teams officially announced. Undisputed Era, who you mentioned uh Fabian Aikner, Barthel who you mentioned Forgotten Sun Street Profits so the speculation on who the other four teams will be because that will affect how we can you know kind of handicap who we think is moving through to the end uh, we had a match where Alistair Black faced Roderick Strong and won but then after the after the match got jumped by the rest of undisputed era unsurprisingly but then was saved by Ricochet my take is that's a team right there. Ricochet and, uh, and, and uh, uh, Alistair, Alistair Black, Black will make a team. will make one of the teams. So that leaves three teams that we don't know. My suspicion for those teams, uh, Birch and Lorkin, because they're a big tag team right now. They're, they've been making waves all over the tag division. I can see them being a part of it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if just to give the NXT, the NXT UK guys some presence if Mustache Mountain shows up. Um, and finally, it's a, to me, it's, it's a no-brainer. If they're on the main roster, DIY will be involved, and that will, make it come, that will make it make more sense that they're a tag team on the main roster if they tag team together in NXT. Maybe we'll see some sort of explanation for how this goes down. So that's my suspicion for the Dusty Classic. Mm. Now, looking at those four confirmed teams and four suspected teams, of those, who do you think would be the best option to go on to face wall waiters at takeover you're not
0: going to like this answer oh you're not going to like this answer at all
1: forgotten sons so i don't like that answer at all but i think you're right and here's why because war waiters and Riker. well no damn it nick not everything is about jackson Riker. would you leave him alone leave jackson alone all right let's talk about the forgotten sons here Uh, Uh, realistically, they're the only like real heel team. Well, it's established. You could say DIY, but they don't need to be in the title picture. You could say, uh, undisputed era. They were just the title picture. I don't think they should be back there that quickly. Um, and yeah, aside from that, forgotten sons is really the only heel team there. And they've been getting a big push lately. And I could see them doing some stuff, as you say, with Jackson Riker, uh, and have them, you know, have that extra manpower put them over to the end so yeah that that i think might be if we're if we're speculating here nick that i hate to say it you might be right and i Forgot- don't think
0: that's the forgotten sons are a means to an end you're gonna hate this too uh, jackson Rikers is, is the prototype he he's the oh my he's, God. he's the he's the experiment he's the prototype he's he's you know he's got the cut they've just got a shape they've got to chisel him out a little bit as far as his he's, but he's, he's got the chiseled. look he, well, that's not literally. <laughs> They've got to knock the rough edges off from his in-ring work and his promo s- stuff. What
1: There's a million other people. Why? What are you? Nick, what? What? Uh, is, is this just a way to prove somehow that Jackson Riker's is going to main event WrestleMania in a year or two? Is that, is that your prediction that you made? Is this, this is just fall, falling into your crazy conspiracy theory. That Jackson Riker is somehow going to main event WrestleMania. Get what
0: episode. This get is out episode 122. I need to write yes. a note down about this one and just remember that this is where I called. You're it.
1: supposed to write a note about every time that you bring this up, and I say you're out of your <laughs> goddamn mind. Out I'll of your you. mind, Blake, no. Sorry, Blake and Cutler. You can tell you know. me all you want. It's it's absolute. All right, I got. Godson's is
0: all about Jackson Riker. It's not my about Blake and Cutler. blood pressure.
1: My blood pressure is still up from earlier in the show. I don't need this as well. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on, Mia Yim versus Zia Lee. Interesting. In a a great match that the crowd... When did they bust in the Lafayette, Louisiana crowd? They were just
0: texting the whole
1: match or something. I don't know. Even Kyle was sitting down. They missed out on a fantastic match. This was really good stuff. There was a lot of innovative moves. Uh, We got to see Mia Yim's uh, new Tron and song and then her new finisher. Which is a compact version of Eat Defeat, uh, and used uses the knee instead, which is great, separates her out for a little bit. Zia Lee sold it great. Zia Lee was doing some great selling. Zia uh, Lee, by the way, is a cardio beast. I actually checked out one of her morning workouts the other day, and I'm still tired after watching it. <laughs>
0: But no, that she, crazy flurry that she had of, of oh my God. karate or kung fu or whatever that was, and then Mia Yim just backing up going, whoa, 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 whoa what was that? Hold on.
1: Some, some Shaolin shit right <laughs> this is, there. This is a wrestling match, Chun-Li. Slow, yeah. slow down. <laughs> <laughs> it was good stuff. But Mia Yim did pick up the win, as we said. Uh, got They both got jumped by Shayna and the Four horsemen after the match, and then were saved by some of the locker room who were then beaten up again. Um, this so because this of a promo
0: up, video package that we had had before where yeah. uh, Shayna and Shafir and Jessamyn Duke all went into the locker room going, this is my house. I run yeah. shit.
1: I like that kind of backstage stuff, but all yeah. it, it all ends up in Mia Yim having a match with Shayna Baszler next week. She's already talking smack on Twitter, calling her Sharon Corbin Mia Yim Twitter game on point. Yes. Uh, so I am looking forward to Mia Yim versus Sharon, uh, versus Sharon Corbin versus Shayna Baszler. She got me doing it. I'm looking forward to that match. That should be good stuff. Hopefully as good as our main event for the night, which was the North American Championship match between champion Johnny Gargano. Johnny Champion and Velveteen Dream. Fantastic match. To, to set
0: this up before we go too deep oh, into I'm, it. I'm, I'm this, ready. This was the match that they double filmed both of them winning.
1: Yes. Uh, so a we did weeks know who's ago, take so we,
0: so that the full sale crowd couldn't spoil uh, anything that was uh, that was gonna happen. Boy, did we get a match.
1: We Holy did and smokes. I, and just so the audience can understand my pain. I was watching this match over breakfast when I get a text from Nick, and ladies and gentlemen, cover your children's ears. I get this text This is why Nick, we're
0: rated explicit, by the Nick way. Nick
1: Howell he, he texts me in the middle of us both watching this match simultaneously, and I'm eating a damn egg sandwich, and he sends me this, I'm currently naked, covered in oil, and masturbating uncontrollably to this Gargano dream match, just <laughs> saying, you sick son of a bitch, I was eating, Oh, my I was god. eating.
0: That match, that match was fantastic. Uh, super Death Valley uh, driver, oh my god. Like, how do you, how are you not dead? And it, frankly, it didn't turn out to be a Death Eye driver. It was more of a, or Dream Valley driver, excuse me. It turned out to be more of a sort of a suplex,
1: but it was still uh, gnarly looking. And oh Johnny Gargano kicked out on 2.9999999. That was, it was beautiful. A, yeah. It was a great match. Uh, obviously, if you watch NXT, you've seen it. If you don't, highly recommend it. Uh, Velveteen Dream, though. They, the way they showed it here, Velveteen Dream picks up the win. He is your new North American champion. Makes sense because Johnny Gargano is, uh, looks like he's going to main roster. It's a,
0: he's in a tag team now, apparently.
1: Yeah, but it, it does make sense for storyline too if they were to continue and Johnny lost the North American championship on his first defense. It makes sense for the storyline. Because Johnny can win the title, but he can't keep. And the whole idea is that he's mentally getting broken down. Sasha and Banks. You even you even had Tommaso Ciampa up in. The, I just got that. Tommaso, <laughs> Tommaso Ciampa up in the rafters, like Sting, looking down and smiling evilly as Johnny loses, knowing that his puppet is drawing ever closer to being in his control. Well,
0: you could have called him Sting if he came zip lining down into the ring to beat the hell out of Dream afterwards or something no, only, like that. Only yeah, if, with a only baseball stood, bat. If,
1: only if he stood up out of the uh, audience wearing a Sting mask. Yeah. That would be- <laughs> That would have been fantastic. I would have lost uh, my shit. He takes off the Sting mask. He's got the Woo! Sting makeup. That'd be great. Oh, man. Anyway, so yeah, so great episode of NXT. One final note, though. We had a little clip of this. Matt Riddle talking about how he what things he wants to do in NXT. Being interviewed by Jeremy Borash. Crazy to see him in WWE, not on uh, TNA. But uh, yeah, so Matt Riddle had a nice small interview on NXT TV, but you can go find the full one on YouTube. I'll tell you right now, they are obviously putting some serious chips on Matt Riddle. He's already talking about retiring Brock Lesnar from WWE. He's already looking at the top guy in the company, and they're letting him. They're letting him say that. They're letting him talk about that already. That gives you an idea. The fact that they're giving so much attention to him, WWE PC YouTube channel showed his entire trip to NXT and arriving and everything. Um, They've been having cameras on this dude nonstop since he arrived pretty much. They obviously see him as some sort of blue chip. And whether or not they pull him up to the main roster yet or if he dominates NXT for a while, which I think is what they're probably going to do, they obviously feel like he is going to be an enormous deal. And frankly, if that's the case... I agree with them, whether or not that, that that's the case. I agree with them. If, he's if, a big if they're going to
0: pull the trigger on bringing Johnny and Champa up, then I, I think he's a great great contender to go up against Champa for the for the title. Have have a couple of great totally. teaser promos, drop the belt to him at, at at Mania Takeover, and oh my, and he comes out the NXT champion. Yeah. Oh man, fantastic.
1: Yeah. They have to be careful because his bro thing can make him look silly really easily. But if they treat him kind of like how they treated Kurt Angle when he first came, but we talked about this before, man. You know the comedy, comedy versus seriousness. If you can just drive home, this guy is the most laid back dude normally. But once that switch flips, he's a psychopath and he'll kill you. He's. Off to the races. I think they've the already
0: kind of shown that with him beating the absolute shit out of Cassius Ono. Punching him in the head until he had to tap out.
1: Yeah, well, he's done that with a few. He tapped out Drew Gulak, too. So yeah. they they have shown that. They just have to keep consistent with it. And that's really going to be the trick. Yeah. Moving on, we have to talk about 205 Live really quickly. And then New Japan really quickly. Because we got listener questions to get <laughs> to this week. Uh, 205 Live, Umberto Carrillo. I still feel like he's another guy who's heading on the big up and up. He beat TJP, and Drew Gulak and Jack Gallagher were ringside to celebrate, telling him that he's got big things coming his way. Uh, I personally agree. I think Umberto Carrillo, uh, ex- expect a lot from that boy. Yep. Uh, we had an Aria Davari squash match. He beat Johnny Lyons in a squash. Looks like they're going to start pushing Aria Davari pretty hard. We had a match between Cedric Alexander and Mike uh, Bennett, or what uh, Mike, Mike. Wait, he's, they're still here? Yeah, he's still around. It was actually. I thought pretty,
0: they wanted their release.
1: It was a pretty. <laughs> oh, social media! Wow, uh, it was actually a really entertaining match. Probably one of the coolest kickouts I've seen in a long time. Where uh, the ref actually counted the three, but Cedric Alexander pulled up literally just his shoulder, just his shoulder, and it was it was considered not a pin. Great stuff, fun match. Go check that one out. Worth a, worth a watch. We did get uh, announced that there will be an eight-man tournament for the number one contendership for Buddy Murphy's title. Next week, the tournament kicks off. Kalisto versus Tony Nice. Tony Nice has been on a bit of a run lately, just beat Noam Dar, so I expect Tony Nese to pick up the win there. Brian Kendrick versus Drew Gulak will also be next week. So I'm curious to see who they give to us, who could possibly take Buddy Murphy's championship at WrestleMania.
0: This, this, I, I, this has got to be Gulak versus Nice. You know, in a way, it's they've been buddy-buddy for, for so long now, it puts them in an interesting position where they've and got to turn on each other.
1: How, about, how yeah. about this? How about this? So I, we don't know who the other brackets are, but uh, uh, I may be going out on a limb here, but I could see Nice and Gulak, Gulak winning, going on and facing Humberto Carrillo because he's right now mentoring him, and Humberto Carrillo surpassing him in the finals of this tournament, going off the number one, cont- number one contendership, because I could see... Because Carrillo's, one of his first matches was against Buddy Murphy, and he got murdered. He looked competitive for a bit, but then got killed. I could see him coming back stronger and being like, no, man, now I'm ready. Nice. So that would be a cool story. Could see that happening. Would love that. Me too. Moving over to New Japan. There's so a couple of news and notes this week. Uh, Kota Ibushi was interviewed about why he didn't go to AEW. He said essentially that he felt like it would have been the end of his career and that he wants to end his career instead in New Japan. So he will not be going to AEW anytime. You know, in the I near can future. respect
0: that. I really can. Um, it's, it, it's cool to go try the nice new shiny thing, but know where your bread's buttered and know where you came from. And I think that's, you know,
1: that's where, where his, his head's at. Absolutely. That's why he was in the, the cruiserweight championship and then just happily went back to Japan. And Kota Ibushi's entire career has been about doing what Kota Ibushi wants to do. And if you don't believe me, go check out the, the monster movie. He was in a kaiju movie where he grew to the size of a kaiju and wrestled a kaiju in downtown Tokyo. Love it. No kidding. It's, it's hilarious. It's amazing. Ibushi is one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. He can do whatever the hell he wants, and he will. Also, just recently we had the Takashi Izuka retirement show I guess for lack of a better word he is officially retired now the iron finger from hell has been laid down for the last time by Takashi Izuka if you don't know what I'm talking about he does go around with this big kind of iron glove on the top half of his hand that he'll hit people with apparently it's one of the goofiest things in New Japan apparently when he puts it on it possesses him which is why Izuka always is brought out in a leash and tears through the audience on his way to the ring he's uncontrollable he gets in the ring and just hits people with this iron thing anyway the final match was Hiroshi Tenzan, Kazuchika Okada, and Toru Yano, essentially the past, the present, and the future in Toru Yano—versus uh, <laughs> I thought you'd like that versus Suzuki-gun, which of course was Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, and Takashi himself. Uh, Takashi ate the pin. Taichi, however, after the match, picked up the Iron Fingers. Oh! Is, is our Lord and Savior Taichi going to be possessed by the Iron Finger of Doom next? on everyone's lips. Just saying. Um, uh, but another New Japan news, we do have Honor Rising, a two sh- two-day show coming up on February 22nd and 23rd. It's the crossover between New Japan and Ring of Honor with some pretty awesome matches planned. Jeff Cobb will be facing Hiroki Goto for the Ring of Honor TV title. They've got a history of the last year. They've had a lot of matches pretty much every time Jeff Cobb comes to New Japan, he gets beaten by Hiroki Goto. So I'm looking for him to get his back here. And come out smelling like roses. See what I did there? Yep. (laughs) Dalton Castle. (laughs) Come on, give me a break. Because he smells nice. I got to have my fun. Right. Dalton Castle versus Will Ospreay for the IWGP Never Openweight Championship. That should be a fun match. Wow. Okay. Jay, Jay Lethal teaming up with Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi facing off against The Kingdom, represented by Vinny Marseglia, TK Ryan, and Matt Tavin. Also, on that show on the 22nd, Marty Skrull and Zack Saber Jr. are going to face some some young Lions, uh, Ren Narita and Shota Umino, Those are in in individual matches. On the 23rd, you've got Osprey and Goto versus Castle and Cobb. Skrull versus Robbie Eagles. You've got Shingo Takage and uh, Tetsuya Naito versus Marseglia and Tavin from the Kingdom. And Jay Lethal versus TKO Ryan for the Ring of Honor World Championship. The big matches that night, Sonata and Evil will defend their uh, heavyweight tag championships versus Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga, and Tonga Loa. They're finally getting their rematch. And Finjuice, Juice, David Finley and Juice <laughs> Robinson, that's what they're calling themselves, Finjuice, Juice, uh, are facing the Briscoes for the Ring of Honor tag championships. Uh, Finlay going to be eating the pin in that one. I'm just going to call that right now. So, And then the New Japan Cup starts soon. It starts March 8th. So lots of fun stuff happening. in New Japan as they ramp up for the new year. I Ooh. am very excited. I'm very excited. And no Jay White anywhere on this card.
0: That's what I was, was going to be my question when you got done. Was where's Jay White? No, interesting no Jay that White. he's not there. Also he's interesting that break. they're doing the tag matches on the second day instead of the first day. I figured they'd do the championship matches on the second day and the or, yeah. or sorry on the on the second day and the tag matches on the first day. Well, they are having the,
1: they're having the Ring of Honor World Championship defended on the second day, so it, eh. you know it makes eh. sense. Okay, sort of.
0: Well, Ian, that's it for the uh, for the for the wrestling. Uh, we now have to move over to talk about some listener questions. Uh, thanks yes. to our patrons, we have a lot of new patrons in February, and I just want to take a moment to say thank you, thank you, guys. Uh, kind of, we're that much
1: closer to the Naya Shrine.
0: We are at we- sixteen patrons currently.
1: Oh, we're getting so close. We only
0: need four more for oh my the God. backdrop of the Naya Shrine and for yes. many pictures. For the, for the process to begin throughout the year of 2019, every time except for WrestleMania that Ian beats me at a pay-per-view, um,
1: we'll add something. add something to yes. this,
0: this shrine on the wall. We need four more of you guys to sign up for the $5 tier or higher, um, which is great because at that $5 tier, you can ask us listener questions uh, that we will read right here on the show, such as question from Eric Elledge. With a superstar shakeup coming in the future, Do you think Buddy Murphy should be moved to SmackDown? He's a star in the making. Feuds with Almas Ray, Ali, and maybe Black would be a license to print
1: money. Ian? He's not wrong. No. He's not wrong. Um, I do think that Buddy Murphy has uh, a lot of potential. And right now, being kind of the big fish in the small pond over on 205 Live is only helping him he's going to be a small fish in a big pond if he comes to SmackDown. And he's got to build himself up with the type of matches that Eric is asking about here, if they do that. What I worry about, though, is too many similar guys coming over to either brand, and specifically SmackDown. All the guys that he mentioned on SmackDown, I think, would be competition, not in the kayfabe sense, for Buddy Murphy. I think if Murphy ended up on Raw, for instance, he'd stand out more because there's less guys like him on that show. Would he be able to have as many amazing matches? No, but he has he's having a bunch of amazing of amazing matches in 205 live. And it's not making that brand stand out any more either. So, I actually could see but- Buddy Murphy standing out more on Raw, but then again, we have no idea what the landscape's going to look like with the overall superstar shakeup. A bunch of these guys could go to Raw and then that would actually open up some room in SmackDown for Buddy Murphy. As we've said many times, SmackDown is the better show to build guys on. They've even addressed it on the show. With the, with Shane's line, SmackDown makes them, Raw takes them, right? Like that is, they've addressed it. So it might be, who knows, SmackDown might be a better place for Buddy Murphy to go after the Superstar Shakeup. But I still think, depending on who beats him at WrestleMania, if he's beaten at WrestleMania, let's, let's be clear, uh, you know, he's, he might still have more things to do in 205 Live. It would be weird to have a champion be so dominant and then have him leave after losing. It does make it seem like 205 Live not a big enough deal if he does that.
0: I feel like Buddy Murphy was made relevant by putting a belt on him. They say that the belt doesn't make the man, but I feel like it made the man with Buddy Murphy. At least it cemented him as a serious, you know, uh, not showrunner, but what's the word I'm looking for? Just it made him relevant. It made we him all, a top guy. It made, it him, made a top him a top guy. Top guy sure. Um, and they, I think we always knew that he would circle. I don't think we knew that his reign would be this long. Maybe we speculated that once he got it, it would be hard to take it off of him because I think he needs it. Well, it, wasn't, so, it was
1: shocking when he got it. But you know, even though he got in Australia, which made sense, I was, sure. surprised, I was surprised they pulled the trigger when they did.
0: I was surprised they took it off of Cedric as quickly as they did. He held it for a
1: while. He held it for yeah. a long time, Cedric. He didn't yeah. defend it much. He didn't defend it a lot. That, yeah, that's that's what I meant. Which is part of what the problem was.
0: Um, but I, I think that bringing Buddy Murphy up would be, like you said, small fish in a big pond. There's a lot of guys that are... It's almost like there's there's not a lot of mid-card anymore. They're, you're either at the top or you're not. And the other guys are just kind of doing what they're doing at the bottom. The show is... Raw and SmackDown are both about the top of the card now for, for the most part. And there's just a lot of people at the top of the card. I, I think bringing him up right now would be a mistake. Let him well, just dominate 205 Live and try to make that brand relevant
1: and stay there. I just want to make something clear real quick, Nick. You just said that bringing him up would be a mistake. That's never stopped them before. That's never stopped them before. So totally As we happen. saw anyway, this anyway, week. Moving on before we get back in that into that morass, into that tar pit uh. of anger. Go on. What's What else do we have this week? You know, uh, Will James. Questions? Yes. Awesome show. Awesome uh, uh, patron.
0: Thank you, Will, for your constant patronage and support and questions. You, you these, always ask some of the, the best leaders. stuff.
1: Both these guys are OGs.
0: Yeah. Eric's just a new patron this week, actually. So welcome to the B-Dub Club, Eric. Uh, how do you both feel about the influx of NXT superstars lately? I feel like this week they had just some one-offs for a ratings boost, maybe. But does that already bury some of the other recent call-ups? Yes. And why do they why do they keep doing this when they have loads of talent sitting in the back or asking for their release? It seems like they're going to over-gimmick and botch most of these people anyway. Ah!
1: We're we're oh are we back to the first hour of our show? Yeah, Nick? Did we déjà vu. Doo, doo, oh, doo. God. Uh yes, Will. I think we agree with most of this. Uh <laughs> So, one thing, we don't know if this is a one-off for a ratings boost. We know it was a ratings boost. We know that they're already listed on the WWE main roster website, all four of these guys. So, it's looking likely that these guys will stay up on the main roster, at least in the near future. Uh, Does it bury some of the recent call-ups? Yes, it does. Because it already has pushed them down and made them less relevant because they're not the shiny new things anymore. I think that they're still going to push some of them. I think Lacey Evans, looking at her catwalk. Remember that's how Trish Stratus debuted too. They obviously have big things in mind for Lacey Evans. She is prototypical Vince McMahon material. Uh we, which we've been saying for uh, over a year, Nick, was as soon as Vince sees Lacey, it's off to the moon for her. And I think that's what's going to happen here is they're just they're just giving her a little bit of stuff here and then she's going to she's probably going to beat Oscar at WrestleMania. But I just <laughs> Did I just say that? I what? just said that. Lacey Evans is beating Asuka at WrestleMania. Good grief. Book it. See if they listen. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Lacey Evans is going to get strapped here pretty quick. But, I th- you know, it also, it does make, like, poor EC3. Where's Nikki Cross already? You know, like, yes, it's absolutely, it's, it's pushing everything else down. It also makes a lot of the guys who are already on the rosters who were feeling a little bit long in the tooth, it makes them feel less relevant. And it is... It's gonna drive people away. In fact, you know, we're about to do our other news segment, our our quick bulletins at the end. The first bulletin I have here is about someone asking for their release. We've already got people asking for their release because they see the kind of pastures there are out there on the Indies.
0: And they haven't so. gotten the push yet and they're they're seeing, you know, the, the they're seeing they're f- what reality is and they're not gonna get it because instead of using them like they've been waiting in the wings to do. Yep. They're, they're bypassing them for NXT superstars.
1: And I have a feeling that when, they, when after WrestleMania they give us the, uh, the uh, future endeavors, it will be a pretty gnarly list this year. Um, they're obviously able to keep a lot of people under contract more because they have more money and they have more incentive to do it because obviously there's some other Spike. fish, some bigger fish out there in the sea and they will absolutely keep people under contract out of spite. Just ask Pac, Neville, absolutely do that they'll do that if they feel like yeah they don't they're they're being petty about it so uh well this show
0: is mostly about your question this
1: week, so <laughs>
0: it's true. Uh, i it's hope true. you feel uh, vindicated in asking what you asked and we gave deg- we gave you a good solid hour and a half <laughs> almost uh of answering your question essentially yes
1: so that's essentially answering his question yeah no I agreed and and i don't know you know we will see going forward that's really yeah. all i can say is yeah keep your fingers crossed they don't I don't, these are the four of any call-ups they've had in the last six months. These are the four I don't want them to botch. No, And, they, and they've botched about... I'd say they've got about an 85% botch rate and a 15% uh, success rate. And I don't think that's the fault of the talent.
0: No, no in no way it's the fault of the talent. I think Look, some of the talent...
1: We don't know what happens backstage. We don't know what talent are giving attitude or like not putting out the work ethic or whatever it is. We don't know all the details. I, but I would say the percentage of talent that doesn't deserve that treatment is probably pretty high.
0: Yeah Well so. guys, I mean we're 45 days away. this uh, uh, 44 maybe now. Oh jeez. Um, so we're 44 days from WrestleMania. Keep that in mind as well. We've got a little over a month it's about six weeks to really nail down the card for WrestleMania. We've got four, five, six shows till we get to WrestleMania. Oh my God. Yep. So if they're going to do something with these guys, you better start. It's a little well, late to be calling them up now. You shouldn't have done it, you dumbasses.
1: Well, you know, why did you do this? Why do you do this for? Why, just, you, this this for? <laughs> why you? What are you doing? Well, this is the thing, Nick. Yeah, we've gone through this whole show and haven't mentioned this particular aspect of it. Yeah, you just pointed it out. There's not a lot of time to WrestleMania. It makes them hotshotting this make a little bit more sense if they really want to, you know, inject in some new stuff. No wonder they did it so quickly.
0: And you got a pay per view, and you got a book in there too. So what are you going to do for that?
1: Yeah, that's, and you got to have not,
0: results for that, and consequences for that, and then you got three a lot more weeks to make. <laughs> no.
1: <Well, now laughs> what? Well, even now is I, it, this? I don't know. I don't I, recognize this WWE. Oh God! Now that I'm sweating, Nick, thank you. I think we need to move on to the other news segment, the lightning round. I just want to say
0: before we go, I wanted to thank our patrons again. Thank you guys so much for all of the signups this month. Uh, if you guys would like to contribute and see the way to Naya's shrine being actually built, please don't, but <laughs> do, but <laughs> don't,
1: but I love you guys, but oh God, I'm really going to have to do this.
0: A month ago, I didn't think I was going to have to. I was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: well, you say that now about the 50 patrons and the uh, Naya Jacks ringtone, the uh, Naya Jacks coughing dubstep remix <laughs> ringtone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway patreon.com slash BWO if you guys want to get in on some of this action uh, but thanks again for the questions Eric and Will uh, if you'd Thank like you to get Jamba. in on yours be sure to submit them every week but Ian we do like you said have time just yes. enough time for a quick other news lightning round beep 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 beep
1: as I mentioned, someone from WWE did ask for their release this week, and it was the perfect 10. Ty Dillinger, one of the people that we suspected would be one of the first guys out the door as soon as AEW got announced, because he's just been Just as soon misused. as his wife, Peyton Royce, starts to get hot. Well, what? hey, man, you got to follow. Dean Ambrose, his wife, just got on commentary. It's... We don't know he's officially out. He said he hasn't gonna, he's not going to renew his contract. We don't know what's going on with Dean. We mentioned like him briefly earlier in the show. We don't know what's going on with Dean. It's weird. We'll talk about that another time. Bottom line is Ty Dillinger on the way out. Cody Rhodes even said, Hey, my brother, best of luck to you. You're fearless. We'll see what the future holds for Ty Dillinger. Uh, we mentioned Pack earlier. He had a match with Walter over oh, at o- OTT in Ireland. If you have not seen the picture... I would say don't wa- don't look at it unless you have a very strong stomach. Pac re- he dislocated his middle finger in the middle of the match with uh, with Walter. Not like down at the base of the knuckle, halfway through his finger. It looked like remember when Sid broke his leg after he jumped off the middle turnbuckle and the leg was just kind of hanging there. Uh, That's basically what his uh, finger looked like. Somewhere, uh, Sin- somewhere, Sin Cara is curled up in a ball shaking. <laughs> Uh but he, That's yeah. what you get for messing with Walter, Pac. It's true, but pack just he just popped his finger back in and continued with the match. Uh of course Jesus he did. Christ. That was a scary, scary scene. But uh yeah, hashtag Walter thing. Don't, don't try to chop Walter. That's what <laughs> you get. <laughs> Uh, Jake Hager, aka Jack Swagger, has already been booked for his next Bellator match. He's currently one and zero. He's going to be facing T.J. Jones, who is one and one at Bellator 221 in Rosemont, Illinois. Coming up pretty quickly, too. I think it's uh, in a month or two. So it's 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 coming up pretty quick. Uh, the Ring of Honor title is also going to be defended in Israel, not just at Honor Rising. It'll be defended in Israel versus David Starr, which is. You know, when you think about it, it really isn't that surprising that David Starr would be defending or would be going for the championship in Israel. One of his gimmicks is the fact that he is a Jewish wrestler. Of course, also his gimmicks include being the cream in your coffee, your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler, the Jewish canon, the physical embodiment of charisma, the Bernie Sanders of professional wrestling, the most entertaining man in professional wrestling, Mr. American Rana, Davey Wrestling, the 104-minute man, the main event, he's really good at Twitter, the king of taunts, the product. David Starr. That's who we're talking about. He's going to be defending it against whoever has the Ring of Honor title, whether that's the current champion, Jay Lethal, or somebody else who might have beat him along the way. Uh, And that's going to take place on April 21st for Israeli Pro Wrestling Association Passover Bash. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, next next thing is uh, Ricochet is currently out of those Evolve shows. He was going to uh, work in March, halfway through March. He's going to be replaced by Velveteen Dream. Perhaps more indication that he may be getting permanently called up to the main roster. Uh, Chris Hemsworth has been booked to play Hulk Hogan in the Hulk Hogan Netflix biopic, directed by uh, Todd Phillips, he of the Hangover. And uh, what else did he, do? he did? Hangover. Stars, he did Star is Born. He wrote a Star is Born. Uh, he did. He was involved with Borat, Road Trip, Old School, Starsky and Hutch. So he's got a he's got a, he's got a resume. Yeah, a resume. Uh, so yeah, Chris Hemsworth as the immortal one, Hulk Hogan. We're also a-
0: hearing uh, rumors that Josh Brolin, of uh, Thanos fame, is in Cable in Deadpool. Is yeah. circling to play Vince
1: McMahon. Dude, that's good casting right there. That I like would be like an excellent Hemsworth. casting choice. I like Hemsworth as Hogan. I'm not mad at that at all. He's got the size and the presence and the charisma to do Hogan. I think that would be it'd be really funny to see him uh, with a with a shaved head and yeah. long hair. But man, yeah, Brolin would be great for Vince. The only thing I feel bad about is uh, I don't know if Chris Hemsworth's career can take him saying the N word. Moving on, uh, let's see. We also have uh, some TMZ news. Andrade Cien Almas, which I will continue to say. I'm not calling him Andrade. I'm not calling him just Andrade. Andrade Cien Almas apparently is dating Charlotte Flair. My goodness. Does Charlotte speak Spanish? Uh, you don't need to, man. You just oh. have to speak the language of love. The language of love. That's right. Charlotte Flair keeping her dad, her dad's, uh, how do you put this? She's keeping her, her dad's legacy going <laughs> by being the biggest pimp in WWE. She's getting she's getting some sweet Mexican loving right now. Lord of Mercy, I, that's honestly that's a cute couple. If I can yeah. be TMZ for a second, like that's I came out of left field. Uh, she even tweeted about it. She said must have been a slow news day when websites were reporting that. I thought that whole thing was kind of funny. So uh, finally NXT UK news next week. You do not week. want to miss this. <laughs> uh, no, this sounds like a great show, and we're going to report on this next week. NXT UK next week. Walter versus Cassius Ono. What? We're going to be able to hear the impacts from this match from this side of the pond. The Grizzled Young Vets we're going to face Birch and Lorcan. That's going to be a slap fest, too. And finally, Jack Gallagher is finally making his way over there to the UK to face Tyler Bate. Ooh. I'm sensing some headbutts. Oh. Sensing some headbutts in that match. I'm very excited for that show. It's going to be fantastic. Oh and that goodness. is your other news. Fantastic.
0: Well, that does it for our show this week, guys. Uh, Thanks again to everybody for tuning in to the live chat with us on Elimination Chamber and hanging out uh, this past Sunday. It's been a weird week in WWE. We're looking forward to hearing from you guys
1: what you think about this show. And please come back next week and check out our show. We will be telling you what happens next with the NXT call-ups. Will they continue to be on the show? Will they continue to book them questionably? Also, as we said, we'll be talking about NXT, NXT UK, New Japan Honor Rising, and plenty more stuff. Lots of reasons to come back, and lots of reasons to join up for our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash BWO, because we will have even more time for listener questions, as well as being that much closer to putting a Nia Jax shrine behind Nick in his room. So when we go live, you all can see the glory that is Nia Jax in the room with Nick Howell. I'm just, I'm just sh- SMH. Nope. <laughs>
0: Uh, you know what? We might do something special if we get it done before WrestleMania. I'll put that out there. Ooh. You got 45 days, kids. I'm tickled. 45 I'm days. Guys, that's our show for this week. As always, come join us on Facebook. Uh, get in those live chats for fast upcoming Lane, and you don't want to miss the chat for WrestleMania. Oh, We've my got some, some interesting things in the works that we hope can get done by the time we get to Mania. Uh, Ian doesn't even know about those yet, but what? I'm working on it. What? <laughs> what? 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 what, what? <laughs> You can also find us on Twitter at BWO Podcast, Patreon at patreon.com/slash BWO. Throw a couple of bucks in the tip jar. Sign up for one of our awesome reward tiers over there, and be sure you're subscribed to the aforementioned YouTube channel at youtube.com/slash C slash Busted Wide Open, so that when we go live or post new content, you get alerted by hitting that little bell right next to the subscribe button. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on
1: Twitter at Data Dude. I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. But by God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com.